0: Nice to be here. I love you. All.
1: Hello and welcome to the Scanlon Podcast, your weekly look at the world of film news, Irish International. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me are Luke. Jay. Grace. So we're gonna talk about what we normally talk about. We're gonna talk about the top ten, the new releases, and the week in film news. But let's start with what we normally do. So what have you watched since last we talked, Luke?
2: Um, well, a couple of things that I've watched recently, I think they're they're not kind of top 10 material, unfortunately, but I think a couple of, of, us, of us have seen them, so I might kind of yeah. hold off on those. That's uh, Always Be My Maybe, have
3: people
2: Yep. Yes. And Booksmart.
3: Well, I'm like, the yes. only one that hasn't seen
4: Always
2: Be My Maybe, God damn it. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to who it. You're the only one that hasn't seen Booksmart now. Um, oh, damn it. But kind of other, other stuff. You're still I've cool, Jake. Thanks, thanks. Not until you see him. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. Keep me humble. Yes. Um, but yeah, no other stuff I've seen recently. Um, I saw Cam finally um, on Netflix. The, oh, I like Cam. The Girl horror movie. Oh, okay.
4: Yeah, yes. Um, oh.
2: Which is great. Yeah. Uh, I
4: thought you said Cam as in TV. Yeah, same. Yeah. I was like, Cam, I'm trying, I'm trying to, trying to wash
2: my memory. It was not Cam. I'm right? watching it. It's, it's, very, it's good, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really, really good. Um, it, has a way of, of keeping that, that tension that it establishes very early on, like from the first scene, and kind of maintaining that same level uh, of, of kind of dread all the way through without having to push it too far yep. or kinda of go too too crazy a place. Yeah.
3: Because yep. you're kind of
2: you're watching it and you're kind of waiting for when is the kind of penny going to drop, when are they going to start telling me what's going on and kind of yeah. <laughs> because I don't really want to know because the
1: the horror is more existential so yeah, kind of and metaphorical the, and the, abstract the,
2: the idea is that it's it's gone through of identity and the personas that people construct for themselves both specifically within that kind of sex work and generally general yeah. and the internet and yeah. the way that we yeah. do that that's all coming across clearly enough that it doesn't need to be said
1: we don't need the ancient Babylonian
2: myths, tell us. Yeah, yeah, or, you know, it doesn't need to go to a kind of a... If you look back Sadly at... Only you know
4: b- if I did watch Sinister last week. <laughs> there you
2: go. <laughs> <laughs> we can trace this back
1: to Mesopotamian glyphs. They speak of a... Calm... No, Nobody has to go to the
2: library, so... Um... <laughs> and nobody
4: gets to talk to Vincent D'Onofri on spice. <laughs> Rage! <laughs>
2: No, just a tinker or whatever, whatever your man's name was. Um, but yeah, no, it was very good. Kind of darkly funny in in, in, in moments, which which I I, I appreciated. Um, and like Madeline Brewer is fantastic in it. Yes, um, great. Yeah, again, grounds the whole thing from from very early on and kind of puts you in that place of dread with her, which for a horror movie to do. It's not easy, but when when they when they pull it off, that that's out. That's always great. Um, yeah, really good stuff. Um, well, I, I also watched the the craft for the first time recently. Oh,
4: the first time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Taking oh us goodness. back to those heady days of ninety six. Ninety six. Ninety six. Uh, and yeah, that's also. I was actually. I I I kind of thought that I would like it. I really, really liked it. I was actually very pleasantly surprised. Um.
4: It feels like a film that's much more of today.
2: Yeah, and made. I think that it is getting a remake soon. I, I think that there is, is something in development, development guess, but yeah. you can kind of understand why, um, as long as they don't kind of do a Heather's remake on it. That, oh God. I think that that'd be kind of interesting. But this is this is enough on its own. It's it's really good. Um, kind of, it's just as a t- kind of nineties teen, teen movie. It's kind of up there with, with the, the, the best examples of, of that genre well, before you even get into the kind of horror elements of it. In the way that it explores the dynamics between this this kind of group of girls, like it's, you know, it's a Wiccan coven, but it's also a group of friends and the yeah. kind of the politics of that and all that is kind of, they work through that quite well, uh, particularly in the film's first half. Then you get into the kind of more special effects light and stuff in the second half. But. Yeah, really good. And considering that this came out in, as you say, nineteen ninety six, and you know the 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 TV series of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the year after. Yeah, and I know that that was you know its own its own movie and that years ago, but just the influence of this, I think, on that is really understated. Yeah, the kind of just in the terms of the look, that kind of those Spanish mansions, that kind of yeah. California, Los Angeles, sort of, all yeah. of it. And in terms of, in Buffy, the kind of day-to-day, again, high school dynamics and, and plotting and... The kind the mundaneity almost yeah, of the... Lots of that coming from this, because, you know, Joss Whedon will talk until the cows come home about how he came up with Buffy and the girl in the alleyway and all that. But in terms of the actual practical, what that show Mechanics was, a lot of that comes from this. And when you look at that show's influence, yeah. trace it traces back to this, you know, it, it really is kind of an underseen uh, thing, I... Wish I'd seen it years ago. It was very good.
4: Also, Charmed. The theme song for Charmed plays in the middle of this.
1: There you go. <laughs> <Which I love.
2: laughs> um, and... This was around
1: the time of the mid 90s where Wicca was having a moment, if I remember correctly, culturally speaking. So you had Charmed, you had that, you had even things like the uh, the Wiccan Council America praising the X Files episode about Wicca, of all yes.
2: things as well. Uh, yeah, I think one of, one of the actresses I was reading it on Wikipedia actually was into all the, the Wiccan stuff at the time,
1: uh, I think.
2: So, yeah. Goes through good stuff.
1: Nineties nostalgia.
2: Um I saw at the IFI as well, uh Fight Like a Butterfly. Oh, Camille um, Winters. Yes. Which is doing really well actually. I think it's it's kind of four, four, mean, four, five four five or five in weeks. I mean it's in gonna be four or five weeks into, it. Yeah. yeah. Which is, is, is great good. great to, to see. see, yeah. Um and I liked it. Um I wouldn't be overly mad about it. Like, I mean winter's her direction of this is, is quite good, and just in terms of its approach, the way that it actually shows travelers' stories and their you know their their the day to day stuff almost yeah. to a
1: certain extent. Like again, it's it's the the section in the middle where they just like wander, um, and you get that real almost slice of life or what what it yeah. must be like.
2: And to... it, particularly in the, f- the the first act, yeah, that all comes oh, the community, well. yeah, just the kind of community stuff and like Coop, Hazel Coop. I mean, I I, I'm yeah, constantly yeah. pronouncing people's names wrong on this podcast, so I, I, I give up. But you're not the only one. Do you're really not. Um, the only one. She is really good in this. Um, just by giving her her character that kind of, uh, you know, everyday frustration of not being able to be what she wants as you know as yeah. a woman or, and as a traveler, and uh, that kind of comes through really well and when Winters is focusing in on that
1: yeah, it's not very artfully
2: as well like again it's something that's very easy to reduce to a cliche but I think how the film handles it is particularly effective
1: yeah um, the way it communicates through looks and glances and yes even like little things like a trace of blood here or there that sort of thing
2: yeah I just the kind of the story beat of the deadbeat drunken dad yeah. that kind of thing we've seen a lot of times before uh, especially in Irish films. And it kind of, uh, once you get into that kind of episodic uh, on the road kind of part of the story, it kind of takes over a little bit in a way that I found frustrating. Mm. Um, because when you're looking at how, you know, you know the, 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 the title of the film and that kind of connection to Muhammad Ali and where uh, her character is, how much of like, the film is drawn that, from that? that, yeah. That connection. Because it's, coming it's from, based around...
1: Uh, well, I'd say based around uh, as an exaggeration, but it's it's anchored in uh, Ali's Visit to Ireland, even though it's not a direct correlation, but it's yes, very much informed a lot of what's
2: happening. You see how she and, and other, uh, other travellers in the film, they, they kind of... They have that connection with Ali, which comes from Ali's self-worth. Yeah. Which was... Dra- it's Roddy you know, Lawler that great line where he's explaining... And, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, that almost commitments line, except it kind of yeah. plays a little bit better in context.
2: Um... And if it was more focused on her character finding that same thing through her, you know, boxing and that, that would have been. I would have liked that. The stuff with the dad, as I say, it just kind of ended up I... eating up a lot of the runtime. And then you end up in this place at the end. Yes. This very. Tonally muddled kind of climax, and, and
1: it's it's almost obligatory. It's it's and yeah. it's forced. It doesn't feel like a lot of the what I liked about the film was the naturalistic element yeah. of it, and it feels like you've taken that, but you've grafted on the rhythms and structures of a traditional sporting movie, uh, particularly at the climax when it becomes very obvious. And your character
2: characters like, kind of explicitly stating, "If you can do this, then that means this." And yeah, it's so, like, well, we actually left that behind. Yeah, a long we haven't been focused film, on that for so, a very long time. But uh, it's it, it's good. It, it, you know. No, the
1: performances are great, uh, and I mean you know whatever about the drunken Irish while there being a stereotype, um, particularly for the the gritty Irish drama. I think the performance was actually quite good there as well. And yet, yeah, Dupe is Dupe is amazing.
2: She's one to watch. Yes. And then the other big one for me that I've seen recently is uh, Birds of Passage. This it's is a the Colombian film. Colombian, uh, this Ciro Gira, um who directed Embrace of the Serpent. Oh. It's Gira and. Um, Christina Gallego who was the she has produced uh, his other films and co-directs this and yeah this is really really good Um, like I loved Embrace of the Serpent that was kind of one of my top films of
3: 2016
2: at the time particularly for the way that it tells indigenous people's stories you know it it had um, people from actual indigenous Colombian Mm -hmm. tribes uh, acting in that film, and really, it plays with kind of a sense of history and with the wiping out of a history from external forces uh, across two different timelines in a re- really interesting way, and in a, in a very visual way using the actual Amazon River as a way of moving and across the yes. and, and back and forth and. and what remains constant and what is eroded by these these things that film is really good this film kind of it is doing a very similar stuff through the kind of conventions of a gangster film in a really interesting way because you have again this is an indigenous tribe from Colombia the the Hawaii tribe and the kind of the premise of it is that um this guy comes in, he wants to marry one of the, the girls from the tribe. Her mother, who's kind of the the matriarch, doesn't trust him because of the very strict kind of rules and traditions of their culture. You know, so she has it set up that you can marry my daughter if you present this dairy. that is by their understanding of, of things impossible to get. Okay. You know? And he makes the money to do it. This is in the sixties. By selling marijuana to Peace Corps American like hippy to kids, and that brings this kind of trade into their way of life. Yeah, that
1: kind has of, impacts them. Yeah, the it the
2: starts to erode their their traditions and you know their everyday life and their and their sense of morality, going from the sixties into the the seventies and eighties, and. The way that it shows that happened to this, tr- the in, these individuals, and therefore this tribe, and therefore, you know, Colombia, uh, uh, and how that was yeah. um, kind of mired by, by by drug wars and, and, and things like that, is really good and, and really visual as well. Like Gura and and, and, and... sorry, I have the name here. Kira and Gallego will do really interesting things, like they'll show you standard gangster movie visuals like the gaudy mansion but it's set against the backdrop of a you know flat plain Colombian barren desert and you know uh, and you know it's completely empty on the inside uh, or you'll see again this this matriarch woman uh, who is in this scene very upset about the kind of decline of, of, of their culture and their traditions but she's wearing this big gaudy gold watch and the focus is on her face but the watch is there and we hold long enough that
1: you pick it up and and you understand what it means in the context of what's happening
2: yeah and the way you know this is kind of presented over decades and it manages that really well because the film is kind of split up into these different uh, songs as I put it and the songs have this kind of cultural relevance to uh, how stories are are told traditionally through the, the, the culture and there's a sense of these are stories that are being told but forgotten in real time, kind of a thing um, and yeah just that real decline of culture happening, like falling from their hands as it's playing out, really well done uh, Car- Carmina Martinez plays the the mother and it's kind of set up in the early going, you, you assume that this story is about this guy coming in and his drug trade because we're trained to read these stories like that way the, yeah. you know Narcos and things like that but her position of I'm maintaining this community tribe and it's, it's it's way of life but actually I'm being corrupted, corrupted in my efforts to do that it kind of takes on this like Michael Corleone kind of it's actually her story right? yeah. she's fantastic in it the actress and it's all it's all done really really well really impressed by her well worth her well worth checking in
1: alright uh, Jay. What have you oh, watched yeah. since last we talked?
3: Uh, not a huge amount actually, but uh, for a change. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what we did. Um, I watched Crookland, the Spike Lee film, uh, which is a movie and I hadn't seen before, and this is a kind of semi-autobiographical tale about his upbringing, and it's co-written with a couple of his siblings, and it's about a kind of. I presume based on the parents, but I'm not hundred percent sure how accurate it is, of a kind of a a teacher and a kind of frustrated musician, bringing up five kind of massively unruly kids, in 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 Brooklyn and the kind of neighborhood that exists in, and kind has that kind of feel of um, do the right thing kind of neighborhood, you know, as kind of melting pot elements, but not as ferocious as that film, but much more kind of kind of kids growing up, uh, coming of age kind of thing a little bit actually. and kind yeah. of being aware of the kind of inherent kind of problems around you, including the parents' marriage, which is a bit rocky. Um, it's it's really, really good. Um, not quite top level, Lee, but fairly close to it. Um, it's like it's this kind of joyful kind of summer of kind of, you know, fire hydrants with water coming out, you know, the usual kind of thing that you get those New York stories and kids race down the street. And it's just great kind of begins with these kind of great high shots from the you know, kind of kind of crane shots of kids sprinting down the street and getting in the way of adults and stuff. It has that kind of evocative thing. And this was in the first like two or three minutes, which I really, really liked and set the scene perfectly on the credit sequence. And as uh, Alfie Woodard and uh, Delroy Lindell was the parents who are both. That's pretty great.
1: That's fantastic. So it's okay. great
3: casting. Uh, and a young girl called Zelda Harris, who's the, the, the young girl of there's four brothers, four guys, and she's the girl.
1: Do I know the name Elda Harris from somewhere? It sounds familiar. I don't familiar. know. I, I looked
3: her up. She she hasn't done a lot um, since then. Um, but the story then kind of swings around to focus on her. It's mostly her story, which I suspect it's kind of Lee's sister or one of the sisters uh, in the family. And it, it's really good. It's quite affecting. There's um, in the great thing is the way uh, Lee is that that kind of that. I've been saying for young side it's kind of slightly underappreciated how much of a technically skilled director he is in amongst the kind of angry kind of political films that he makes of how well he works the camera. And yeah, it tends to get a bit he's, lost. He's, he's, like, yeah, it does a little bit. Because when like, you're talking
1: about Lee, you're, you're inevitably going to end up talking about, about like, race
3: and kind of politics and all the usual yeah. kind of things. But it, like, he's a technically master I mean, of a filmmaker.
1: Incredibly versed in film history. and Yeah, well, this was...
3: and it's this great sequence where the young girl gets kind of bump down to south to the aunt and uncle's house to kind of have a different experience for a month and our cousin is down there and it's like the south is filmed as kind of alien landscape it's this kind of where the hell where's the city gone you know it's kind of trees and crickets never heard a cricket in our life that kind of stuff it's just like what, what do you do down here Like you know it's like where's the chaos you know it misses the chaos completely like our city kind of noise and sounds and people and the kind of shouts and the neighbours and people getting shot in the street and stuff, all sorts of mad stuff but she misses it so much like it's just too quiet and too nice and too friendly and everything like that i really like that the soundtrack is absolutely glorious some absolutely beautiful standards kind of uh great songs. I some of which i didn't really know before and some that are kind of famous um but absolutely glorious and really perfectly pitched in terms of the the, at the moments that are used in the film. It's a, the only thing I'll say that kind of to negative sense a little bit is that it's a little disjointed in the second half. Um, it kind of The story kind of focuses a little bit on a couple of certain things that kind of just throws the story out bit, then the kind of natural feeling in the first half kind of dissipates a little bit which is unfortunate to some degree but probably inevitable given what they were kind of aiming for. Um, but I really liked a lot to recommend and it's one of the kind of, kind of what do you call Lee's standard films, which are pretty good. Like and pretty, I'm pretty a lot of people's standard. Yeah. Kind of it's, forgotten it's because they're, they're sort of yeah, because he's, he's made a lot as well. Like he's a kind yeah. of he's pretty kind of fast filmmaker. He, he's knocked out a lot of films over the years. Like and a lot, some of them get lost in the shuffle. And I'm guilty of as much as anybody. I've missed quite a few of his, and I'll keep meaning to go back and catch them. So it was great. It was very welcome to catch up on uh, this, and uh, absolutely recommend it. Um, and then one I caught up with was uh, caramel. Which uh, Ronan has talked about uh, a few weeks ago, I think, um, or maybe a couple of months ago, actually. Uh, it's one of the films from um, Nadine Labaki, who made uh, Capernaum, which is in my top five of the year. And yeah. This is an area of film of hers, and I know he's a huge fan, and uh, he's right to be a huge fan because it's pretty goddamn great. Um, it's the story of a kind of a beauty salon in Beirut and the lives of kind of five women that kind of either work in it or frequent it or used to work in it and that kind of intersectional area of their lives where this is the kind of home base, I guess, is it kind of thing. It's somewhere they always return to to get advice, to try help themselves out, to kind of cry to whatever they need to do. Um, and it's this kind of really sensual story of kind of love and kind of defeat and... Sadness and joy. It's just this. It's just it, there's no real plot to speak of as such. The kind of scenes, just kind of a flow, really nicely. It's really beautifully and subtly edited to kind of let the film just kind of take you along, which I really appreciate because there's certain films where you know you, you the need to punctuate. Sometimes can throw you out of a film. Uh this this is not this kind of really rhythmic, really perfectly pitched kind of film. And the casts are fantastic. Um, it's kind of one of those films you can almost swoon occasions because the scenes are so pitched just well and moments are done so brilliantly and like I don't really want to say too much about the actual kind of what happens uh, because it's one of those films you just kind of want to wander into and kind of enjoy and it's as much of a tribute to Beirut as well than and the people that kind of stoically get a go about their business particularly women in terms of a society where they're not exactly they're certainly not equal and they're certainly kind of you know, question as to the, what they're up to, and you know, are you in a relationship? Are you married? Is is a kind of repeat question, you know, because that's you know that's the ultimate kind of if you're married, you're okay, you can do wherever, but if you're not married, then you're one. yeah. And yeah, yeah, you know, and it's you could be in serious trouble. And uh, she makes this point without hammering the head, hammer over the head over and over. It's 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 really really good. Uh, Ron did not understand it. I really really liked it, and absolutely. So you're quite right. sweet on caramel, then. Indeed. Thank you, Darren. Uh, Just got to put a button on it. Okay. They're the good ones. Uh, yeah, oh.
4: Probably a whole 20 minutes into recording and he hasn't said one yet. I know, yeah,
3: right? That's probably a record, I, I'm, I'm thinking.
4: It's totes loud.
3: It is. Uh, I caught up another Josephine Decker film who made uh, Madeline's Madeline, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, this one's called Butter on the Latch, which is one of her earlier films from like, 2013. Um, it's about two women who kind of our friends and it starts off in this kind of really frazzled style where one of them is ringing the other and she's in some house and she doesn't know where she is and the other ones get really frantic worried like get out of the house kind of that kind of thing so it starts off this kind of real kind of tense and anxious kind of horror jittery kind of feeling and then it kind of film kind of moves on slightly and you end up where the two of them meet at this kind of folk festival. Like, you know, folk festivals are never going to be. Like, we've seen enough horror films to know that. You Does it end that.
1: up as a folk horror, Jay? Yeah, a
3: little bit. There's certainly trace elements of it here. Um, and there's there's moments where it kind of reminds me of something like uh, The Blair Witch Project, really. And just and it's not in tone. It's more in look. Every so often it catches a certain...
1: Hangout. Oh, it has a sort of VHS sort of quality yeah, to it. it, it not, the it's more the, the
3: kind of positioning of bodies and angles where you see things from perspectives and stuff like that that makes you kind of question what you're looking at and things around that um and it's not it's not a horror in any sense of that it's kind of about the horror of kind of awkward friendship more than anything else where you love somebody but you also want to punch them <laughs> you know, why a, are
1: you looking across the table when you say that, Jay?
3: I don't know what you mean. There, uh, there mean,
1: so
4: many people like this,
3: uh, but there are, and the, the two women are kind of constantly apologizing to each other. It's like, you know, if they disagree, you know, I'm sorry, but like I don't mean it to be that way. And this kind of retraction, move forward, retraction, move forward thing, which are really, it's really fascinating in that regard. Is there and, any
4: scene where they get drunk and just yell at each other? Well, there's interesting. There's a couple of scenes out. where
3: one of them has like uh, drinks this kind of, because it, it's a Balkan festival, so it's this this, this kind of. Fuck knows what proof alcohol gets brought out, and one of them starts. It's like some sort of plum brandy that looks lethal, and one of them starts drinking it. And then she kind of wants to hang out with this guy, and her friend is kind of paranoid about this. So has oh, this kind of. Oh, takes me back. Yeah, indeed. Me too. And many times I've been drinking plum brandy and hanging out with guys, but uh, it's it's into like it should be better than it is, and it, like it's not bad by any means. It's it's very decent, but it's it it's, it. If you've watched any Decker films, and I've kind of watched this is my fourth one, I think, her films are quite abstract and quite fractured, and the narratives are quite fractured, This how it's shot. It's quite kind of busy, and, and it, it it works for a lot of time. In this film, I just it, it, it kind of needs to settle a little bit too much, uh, and it's a little too slight at certain points where you feel there's moments where you should push it a little bit more and things like that. It doesn't quite land in the way that you think it's going to land, and it's... it's disappointing i guess uh the editing is great the performance are great but some of those things that 20 minutes and thought i'm gonna really really love this and at the end, i was kind of slightly disappointed because i didn't i didn't click in that but it, way but it's fascinating and really interesting as a directorial kind of uh, showcase yeah. because the, the filmmaker really knows what kind of story she wants to tell and i think her stories and her films don't quite have big audiences because very
1: idiosyncratic well to be fair Madeline's Madeline looks like it's going to be a slow burning break no it is I mean it's an
3: art house, it. house kind of
1: and it's done cr- very well and I mean yeah. I mean, like relatively speaking for oh, yeah I might, mean it's,
3: yeah. it's it's well known yeah. and it's critically acclaimed yeah but it hasn't translated beyond that. In well, I mean, it's o- it
1: only released in Irish cinemas three weeks ago. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, I
3: saw it Galway last year. Yeah, and I know. I was a year before that, I think. And, yeah,
1: and I, I was, I like was getting something. screeners two weeks, two years before that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. it's like, I mean, I, I, when you talk about the rollout, it's I, no, no. I think it's still going.
3: Yeah, but it's on Mubi. Did it come out here. <laughs> it came out here about two briefly. weeks ago, uh, two or three weeks ago. Yeah, and yeah. it was on movie as well, same time. Yes. From so where most people would have got it I've seen that movie before in fairness <laughs> yes. the movie though they, they put all kind of all of her films on uh, as a kind yeah. of seasoned and curated season and she's a fantastic filmmaker yeah. but she's the very definition of idiosyncratic, idiosyncratic yeah. and you might fall in with them or you might not but like, Madeline's Madeline is great I really love it it was one of your favourite films last yeah it was it was a top 10 uh, I absolutely it has a it. decent
1: chance of making it this year as well
3: yeah and, and next year probably <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah indeed uh, yeah but no, Butter and Latch is interesting and Definitely worth watching, I'd say. I think it's only 70 minutes long as well, so it's not going to take a chunk out so of it. So it passes the value yeah, yeah. test. Yeah, the great test, yeah. Um, and lastly, I'll mention a film called Cashback, mostly because it's terrible. I think I know what this is. Yes, it's an English film yep. from 2006. <laughs> it's dreadful. It is dreadful. Um, Sean Ellis, who directed it, made a film a few years ago, I think called Manila something. Manila
1: something. Sky?
3: No. Sorry.
4: Oh, is this Metro Manila? Metro
3: Manila. Yes, that's the one. Thank you, Grace. I haven't uh, actually seen it. No, but it's, it's been on Netflix for a while. And it's, it's kind of actually kind of set in the Philippines. Uh, I've heard okay things about it. But he's done nothing in between this and that, as far as I can ascertain. And Cashback is this <sighs> story, I <would laughs> guess, is the best way to describe it.
1: I'm and not that, sure the listeners could hear the air quotes.
3: There's this guy who just gets broken up with because you know he's heartbroken and you know and the first shot is of a girl shouting at him in slow motion and you can't hear her but it's like you fucking idiot that kind of stuff like and it's just he has this dreariest and i mean the dreariest of voiceovers it's like what do you do with time when you know relationships break and it goes (laughs) on and on every single moment you see is is posted with like uh the unending, and profound I mean, and then, voiceover profound. It read the film really thinks it's profound. So what happens is he, he once he breaks up with somebody, he doesn't sleep. He's a student and he he can't sleep, so he's been he have been awake for a week and he's kind of out of it a little bit. So he kind of stumbles <laughs> into this supermarket uh, at like midnight or whatever and they're looking happily. They're looking for somebody to do work in a night shift. It's like well. You know, I might as well use my time, because it's all about time and the movement of time, don't you know, just in case you don't get that, because he'll tell you again. Uh, so we say, I might as well get paid and do it. So at that point, then, he has this kind of idea that he can freeze time. Now, I've seen enough Twilight Zone so episodes. I know you can freeze time in movies and all that. That's grand. I have no issue with that. He's an art student, right? So, does he have know. more than one God. set of glasses? Also, I'm initially suspicious of any art students because they're arseholes, right? But does he
4: have glass in his
3: glasses? No, what he does do is, because he's so in love with the female form. Are you ready? Yeah. No, no. I oh, oh, yeah. Jesus. Oh, no. He strips women off in the supermarket when oh, they're no. frozen to, to draw them
1: but he's what? just does oh he, yes does he draw them like his French girls yeah but he draws just them so because, in awe.
3: but he's, artist, he's an artist he's not a creep so it's, it's not awesome.
1: pervy no. no no no, no. Yes?
3: yes right those were air what? quotes by <laughs> the way in
1: front of pervy just so we're clear
3: it's like uh, you know I'm the female form is extraordinary I don't even I think even kind of a reference like that he doesn't it doesn't see sexual in this it's, it's even though it's filmed in such a way that all the women they are you know perfectly formed goddesses you know what I mean like so they're all kind of frozen in this kind of... Listeners <laughs> yeah. so can't see, see. Yeah. but
1: Jay's painting quite a picture.
3: Yeah, thank you. Um, he is the dullest fuck I have seen as a lead in the film. He's the dreariest like wet sack. I've rather been a pervert and an art student. It's very workman smoking area. Yes, <laughs> it's it's a yes, it's a, it's a work that's a
4: workman spoken in the movie. With the time we yeah, were talking about Damon and Ivor, and I was like, News Talk the movie. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, niche so,
4: Dublin references. But this,
3: the, like, he's he's dull and he's creepy. He's the worst voiceover, and yes, somehow we're supposed to identify with him as the hero, right? And you like, mean I'm you the,
1: don't do have you a dull, th- creepy voiceover in your head, Jay? Uh,
3: I wouldn't say it's creepy. I wouldn't not say it's dull. <laughs> 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 we all have dull voiceovers, certain Do i think this person watched
4: Maniac and was like, I can do that?
3: This was 2006, so... like um, remove he
4: is, all evidence of taste. That
3: they really layer on the misogyny in the sense that, like, he thinks he's... Like, the film thinks he's God's gift, in fairness. The film kind of has him on a pedestal. There's a, a girl who works I'm at a supermarket check out who he fancies, so of course she falls in love with him. Does this... Do you remember the scene? Did anybody see... What's the... the Cecilia Hearn Booked up a movie With Hilary Swank
1: Oh and uh, Jared Butler Yes, yeah, I Love You Yes
3: Do you remember the scene oh, Where she discovers That she can Design shoes And five minute montage Later she's shoes In all the high street shops In New York right Do you remember that scene It was great It was ridiculous But it's like what She's got shoes In the kind of Fifth Avenue shops 20 minutes later But anyway right? You this, don't it, right?
1: choose Your passion right. In
3: that's this passion film right? This film is amazing right he, he's drawn all his pictures of his creepy, kind of voyeuristic ways, he's all his pictures of women, and then a lot of pictures of the girl in the supermarket that he's in love with because he throws Simon Drug through those pictures. Or, of you don't see he her is. naked. It's inferred that he might have done it, but a lot of them are headshots, so to speak, right? So he does all that. The two guys that work in the kind of deli counter slash me counter and other thing ring him, pretending to be an art dealer, to say that, you know, we've seen your pictures. And... Would you come in because we want to do a, a gallery presentation, right? And it's the first interesting thing that happens in the film, in a sense, it's like, i like to see him taking out a peg or two, right? It's great. So a come in A whole peg. Yeah. Yeah. Of and you can put your double G on that if you want. But uh,
1: <laughs> whoa! Um,
3: okay. But uh so he, he's like, on Monday morning, come in and we'll uh, we'll talk to you in the gallery, right? You're thinking, little fucker might get us come up, and it's great. I'm actually kind of looking forward to this. It's the first thing that's happened. <laughs> I enjoyed Because two lads get off the phone and start laughing, high five, which has got to, I'm with those guys. I want to be one of those guys. Right? It's great. He turns up at the gallery and it's Jared Harris at the gallery pre-famed Jared Harris uh, thing at the gallery and he's like But was he still Richard Harris's son? Was he though? Who knew? Yeah, who knew? But uh, he turns up at the gallery and he's like I have an appointment with whatever his name is It's like Yeah, that's me He's like I have to show him my work and he's like You haven't got an appointment with me, son I don't know who you are He's like Oh, somebody must have played a trick on me He's like Well, you're here anyway So let's have a look It opens the thing Looks at three pictures goes got any more of these cut more to two scenes later he's a full gallery no it's not the tits it's just the face ones because oh, you know God. they're the only ones tasteful the tasteful ones two minutes later he's a gallery the opening, and he invites a girlfriend who saw him kissing his previous girlfriend who used to be in the standards, but can't think of her name shall I? would that be right? it's like bionic oh, like, yeah, like, woman yeah, yeah yes yes it's like and she she meets him at a she party and, she, and now she wants to like you know get back with him even though she's stunning and he looks just a dweeb of a fucking guy right? but anyway he kisses her by accident because she kissed him he doesn't kiss her the other girl sees and she storms out so he sends her an invite to the gallery she comes to the gallery he's standing in the gallery being all look at all my pictures and draw a picture of her so instead of running a mile like you would if all the pictures were of you she go, oh you really love me and then somebody comes over to him and it's like I'm from a New York gallery well have you got any more because I'd be interested in having you know it's like why not you fucking stop for the <laughs> love of God so cathartic it's Very the nice. worst <laughs> worst I
1: haven't watched the film but I feel it's like rep-
3: I, it's guys, beyond guys,
4: reprehensible on like male characters can Gary Stu's yeah. or, or Mary Sue's like yeah. is, men never write exactly that this. kind of crap this
3: is exactly men this. This.
4: never write self insert fucking bollocks this is masturbatory shite is
3: the highest this is wish fulfilment creep zone territory it's one of the worst ones I've ever seen it's who's responsible for this Sean Ellis nice. shame on you and the funny thing is I went to the letterbox, I'm kind of went tune. there are some there's one particular review called oh, the Five Star the... Masteries it's, it's like yeah <laughs> yeah get your uh out love uh, yeah it's it's really it's got really, tits and
1: culture what yeah. more do you want The now?
3: Union Jack uh, no it's one of the worst ones I've ever seen um, I would not recommend anybody watching it because it goes on a lot longer I think even though it's about an hour Why and a 40 I did we sit
4: through the whole
3: thing because I knew we could get to do this uh, and rant about it I, I was like at a certain point, you're kind of committed to, to a film. You know, when you get to a point like where you go, "Well, I'm over the, the kind of invisible line where I can stop watching it. I might as well just continue at yeah. the end."
4: Yeah, but no. In no, the no. hopes
3: I'll get better, it did not get better. It and then there's a point so where you're just setting so down and I'm
4: already sad. in the
3: shit. I would murder Sean Ellis when I met him. No, I would not. <laughs> wow, okay. I might kill right. the actor, though, oh. if I ever met him. Okay, not better. Who's no. the actor? Uh, I'll tell you exactly who the actor is now. Let's change. him.
1: Just so the Metropolitan Police Department. Sean, are you ready okay. for this name? What's his name? Because I
3: forgot about this. Sean. Fnar, Fnar. Bigger staff. Bigger staff. <laughs> 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 ah. He
2: has done
3: other stuff he's in Windows Protection he was in Harry Potter <laughs> <laughs> he's, he was in one of the Harry Potters yeah. was, uh, he wasn't in like EastEnders or something Potter. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm getting weird now I'm sorry uh. Uh, it's woeful it's absolutely all of the sugar beyond. from that
4: pastry hit you at
3: once I, yeah. I I hate it so much I, yeah. it sounds can, like I'm complete choice sp- <laughs>
1: listeners can't see but I want to assure you Jay is still wearing all his clothes
3: am I though Darren you can only oh. like see the top half <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's leave it. Put at your
1: bigger man. staff away.
3: Oh, yes, God. Jesus! I knew there was going to be. As soon as I knew the actor's name, I was like, "Fucking Darren's got a pun on bigger staff." Well, oh. of course he is. He's only human. All oh, right, I'm done. Jeez. So Grace, I what? don't know
4: how I'm supposed to. Follow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
3: Grace. How, how Sorry, your Grace. Week, I, know I genuinely apologize.
4: It's all right. Um, okay, so I think some of the stuff I watched might be in the top ten slash new releases. So let me just quickly check. Is Rocketman the top ten? Yeah. Of course it is. It's made a billion dollars. What about, are we covering Booksmart later? No, we'll cover
1: Booksmart now, unfortunately, because it didn't make the top ten.
4: Sad face. Okay, I'll come back to that. And Always Be My Maybe, is that in the new releases?
1: Uh, No, that was last week, so that's already been covered.
4: Okay, right. Um, Where to begin? I've been, I was sick last week, so I watched a lot of stuff, and um, I suppose I'll start with Sinister then. Oh, also, one more thing about um, the top ten, is John Wick still in there? I believe it is. Okay, then I'll come back to that too. Back to Sinister. Um, yes, I've been meaning to watch this for ages. A friend of mine told me a few years ago that this like really creeped her out. More me too. So-
3: I, I'm a big Sinister fan. I know not everybody is, but I am. Oh, like, this is going to get interesting. No, no, no. I, no, I, I, I can tell. I really this this is people kind of... tell me that they don't particularly like it. To kind of no. The, the gasp
4: part it is it's not bad, but it's like it's your textbook example of a horror film that just can't stick the landing. Which is a horrific number of horror films, to be quite frank. Like it builds up this wonderful first hour or so of these kind of genuinely quite unsettling and in some ways quite disturbing um, bits of material and footage. And Ethan Hawke is this fantastic prick in it that yes. you kind of feel strangely compelled to keep watching. So yeah, I was actually really on board with it in terms of, um, what you call it, the atmosphere it was setting up. And I liked the way he was discovering everything kind of piecemeal and getting slowly more and more obsessed. But I could just sense that something was going to go wrong somewhere. And something did go wrong (laughs) somewhere. Now, in one sense, I kind of applaud it. I suppose I can spoil the ending because this has been out for ages. So you haven't seen it and you don't want to know you should turn off now. But anyway... In or just skip sense,
1: like thirty seconds.
4: Yeah, in one sense, I I kind of applaud the way it fully leans into the ending because that's, essentially
3: that's what I kind of like to
4: it. Yeah, like that's not bad in and of itself, but it is also so patently ridiculous <laughs> that it's really hard to take it seriously. So essentially, um, Ethan Hawke has found a bunch of film, well, like yeah, I suppose films in the attic of this house that he's moved into, um, where families are being murdered but there's always one child in the family is missing and it subsequently transpires that the children are doing the murdering and recording it because they've been like possessed by a demon or
3: that old chestnut something bad, along those there, lines like yeah
4: speaking of Babylonian mythology as referenced earlier but um yeah so that's basically what happens at the end of this one of Ethan Hawke's kids ties them up and you know kills them all with an axe and films it and then walks into the film projector I kind of like that, that
3: that it did actually follow through in terms of It has an internal logic that, you know, that that he actually would continue on and actually kill him and be that.
4: that. No, no, that's fair enough. I don't think that that's bad in and of itself, but it's just I think it's not managed particularly well because you sort of go from this slow burn, gradual onslaught of really kind of a creepy atmosphere and really unsettling footage. And, you know, there's a lot of tension in it. And I think it does that really well. And then it kind of just turns into this slightly cartoonish, like axe murder situation, which is so schlocky and on the nose that it just really does not fit with the earlier half of the film my, in my brain
1: my big issue with it was always the incredibly terrible pattern recognition of everybody in there like I mean I understand it's a horror movie and you have to make bad decisions the characters yes. have to make bad decisions in order to move the plot along I'm one of those people who's like it's fine that the characters in Prometheus don't think to run left or right because they're in the middle of a crisis but the problem but that, was, that did for, give us
4: that great line in Kong Skull Island where he was like run to the side you idiot
1: but there's, that was uh, wonderful yeah, my I did issue, like that too My issue with sinister comes down to the fact that the characters have the entire fucking movie to figure out what the pattern is. And I'm sitting there going... And they need it
4: to be explained to them by like sheriff or officer or whatever he's calling himself. Yeah. How He's just like, oh, did you not notice? How
1: did you not notice that the film has not remained in the one place the whole time? Like, what is the one linking factor between these families that all moved before getting brutally murdered? Yes. Like, Yeah.
4: Also, you're a terrible husband and father. Oh, yeah, but he's, he's an even he, all. You're, the you're the effectively point, though, a fairness. Stephen King insert here. Like, yeah. but, I mean, yeah, like, another fantastic entry into the pantheon of shit movie husbands, which is a Hawk, massive Fairness is A good at that, but. He, he kind
3: of. I always thought when I'm watching it, I know I haven't seen Sinister in a few years. Yeah, but, now, but it also
4: means that you are kind of happy when he gets brutally attacked exactly in the face. Not so much the end like No, son.
3: but that's why he drags in. I think. He, I think it really leans into the bad bastard husband in that way. That I think Hawk could easily probably figure it out and probably get them away, but he doesn't want to because he wants to have it all. A for nice himself. analogy
4: of men ruining the lives of everyone. But indeed,
3: from. yeah. But I think Fair that enough. Hawk is does committed asshole in that mm-hmm. way but mm-hmm. very well I have to yeah. and that's what I kind of liked about it
4: yeah no like it, it was good I did like it overall I just feel like it could have done with a better ending and one that was less reliant on this kind of slightly daft exposition yeah, that's but as mentioned earlier I did enjoy the brief appearance of Vincent D'Onofrio on Skype to be like well I have some news for you friend <laughs> so that was enjoyable enough um. What else did I watch that was a new watch? Oh, I watched The Ritual, another horror movie on Netflix, which was again going really, really well for the first, I'd say,
0: 1. It, until, 1. until it falls act,
4: into the until poker. it's like now I must explain everything yeah, but to it, that's you, yeah. and it's also kind of about hidden trauma where yeah. I'm overcoming that terrible thing that happened, and I just really hate that in horror movies.
3: I don't mind it, and I tell I tell you why I, why I like Ritual more than slightly more than average mm-hmm. is that. It, I think it does pretty decent character work in the first act, in the sense that I kind of felt that that kind of... You not know, the loss, the kind of thing that happens in at the, at the first bit. I felt that kind of... Maybe because I'm a bloke, maybe, and that's the thing, is that, that kind of closed-off emotional thing that, you know, you don't want to deal with the fact that somebody died and kind of, you know, you want to get past it and try to be stoic about it, but also you can't get away from it because you're an idiot and you won't face it kind of thing. I, I thought that was done particularly well for a film mm-hmm. that generally don't doesn't put that much work into it. So when things kick off, I was kind of invested. Now, I don't think it particularly lands in it in that way, and I think you're absolutely mm-hmm. correct. Oh, um, but I, did, I did quite like it, though.
1: It's the one with Raphael Spell, is it? Yeah. Where they go off Rafe, I don't know.
3: Rafe Spall sounds an like amazing This is sounds like his porn name. Okay, sorry. Mr. Hey, Biggerstaff. Yeah. Mr. Biggerstaff. <laughs> Ralph Spall, we'll see you now. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Spall then, okay. Yes. Mr. Spall. You're Timothy Spall's son, aren't
4: you? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
1: so this is Sorry. the one where they go off into the woods, is that? Yes. Yes, yeah. it is, basically. In Hungary or Sweden.
4: Um, happen, I they're in Sweden, I think, although I suspect they're probably in Scotland, like most places. Or
3: Hungary or yeah. Poland, or wherever it's cheapest to film.
4: Yeah. But. Um, Catholicism, man. You know, the first outfit is quite good. It's like, it's got some genuinely very good horror moments in it, like right down to the way they find this creepy cabin in the woods that has some, like, half constructed statue revering yeah. some pagan deity and oh no <laughs> it's it's yeah it's it's all pretty cool and then they have like the first night that they spend there they all have nightmares and they wake up screaming and people are like it's it's all over the shop it's actually really cool um and then yeah later on you have this prolonged um information dump essentially where they explain everything that's going on that and i those. just really hate I have that so many i feel, it's
0: i really bad. strongly
4: feel that this is something that our movies have got to stop doing. Like, yes. just trust your audience and just roll with it. If you want to end it with one of them running through the woods with no indication as to whether or not they ever get out of the woods alive, I am completely fine with that. I'm happy
3: to see them like, die. I'm happy not to see them yeah. die. I'm happy to see and not understand what I'm watching, yeah. as long as it's done well. I it can my matter. own
4: interpretation of that. Yeah. I don't need you to read me like, a chapter from yeah. some stupid encyclopedia that yeah. you made up. Also, I'm pretty sure they said that whatever this pagan demon was is meant to be some version of Loki, which just made me laugh.
3: Yeah, but it's that's MCU. the kind of Scandinavian yeah. type well,
1: thing. That that MCU expansion is happening quicker than we think. Oh yeah. Uh, I do remember quite liking the visuals of it. The the shopping center in the middle of the woods. In yeah, yeah. They has got nice things like that. I like right? I remember really liking the production design of it. Yeah.
3: I think. It, I think it's a. It as Grace pointed out, and I've had a conversation with Grace, and we've gone over this a million times about horror film Thor: Dark Desperation. Of us uh, that uh, that do it, and
1: I know you have. What, what are you talking about?
3: That uh, stop. Stop it. Uh, like. A lot of films kind of do really good work until they get to that point and you wonder why they do
4: I that. I feel like they panic. like yeah. They don't trust themselves fully enough yeah. to convey the that's, message that they're yeah. getting across it's by immensely the end. Frustrating. I mean, can you imagine if instead of the end of the Blair Witch project there was a full half hour of them explaining yeah. every single thing that happened? Well, there Blair was
3: a the sequel movie, right? Yeah. But this Blair Witch project <laughs> is kind of perfect that. in that way because it explains absolutely nothing.
4: Yeah, but like it gives you just enough tidbits yeah. of information yeah. for you to infer what's going on, yeah. now, whether you're like that's your interpretation or what the filmmakers intended to be canonical. Yeah. But that's that's what makes it such a rewarding experience yeah, I is, completely is that you've no clue what's agree. happening. And that the horror yep. and, and the immersiveness And the tension and everything
3: else and goes with it.
4: more people need to do that or at least attempt to do it. Like even if you don't the do love well, God, people. at least try yep. instead of just dumping your stupid fanfic on us at the end or whatever. Um, yeah, but anyway, I also watched a film um, which I really love which I'd never heard of before I picked it up in the library called Memento Mori. This is a Korean film from I think 1998. You do like your Korean films, Grace? I do. I like the Koreans. They, they make good stuff. They do. And this is one of them. Um,
3: I've so never yeah, heard about it, it's,
4: actually. Um, apparently the second in a series of movies called... Well, the, a trilogy of movies called The Whispering Corridor Series, which are not direct sequels, but they're all kind of loosely connected stories of girls at high schools. And they each film apparently looks at a different aspect of culture in south korea um the first one i believe looked at how rigid the education system is and how abusive that can be and then this film looks at specifically same-sex relationships it has um what i understand was the first depiction of let me just double check that this is right yes the first commercial korean film to depict lesbian characters Hmm. and explicitly lesbian characters too because there's an actual physical interaction um as opposed to it all being subtext which i appreciate um but this was really really good it's such an unusual film because i was sitting watching it and like it's um so basically just to tell you the story it starts with a character um who's um a pupil at the school and she finds a diary belonging to one of the girls um who's i think they're in the same year but anyway she discovers that she and this other girl that she's close to um we're more than friends, essentially. And they're not really speaking anymore. And as she goes through the diary, she gets more background on why that is and what the relationship was like and so on and so forth. And it's um, it's told in a really interesting way because it's not it's not told um, sequentially. Yeah. Like, it sort of shifts back in time. And, and it's it can be a bit weird when you're watching because there were a couple of times when I was watching it when I was kind of like, okay, this film is kind of losing me. But then once it ends, I just feel like it's done in a way that makes it really, really haunting because that temporal structure and the atypical structure of it um, makes it really interesting as a presentation of memory and perception and perspective and how that shifts as you well I suppose as you find out more about the characters and their experiences but also as your perspective on things changes especially as you get older and you start reflecting and so on and so forth and um, I just found it really really haunting like it's strange because the DVD cover and some of the stuff I've seen online pitches it as a horror movie when it's not really a horror movie They're I think sort of, Koreans
3: uh, might just advertise everything as horror movies to get yeah. watch them <laughs> yeah you know I yeah. just say watch this it's gonna kill you As I like, what's lesbians <laughs>
4: <laughs> like there is a <laughs> there is a I love how of, I'm disappointed
3: um, you said oh no I wouldn't be disappointed in, in general terms like but then um, like every a, Korean film is non, non-horror maybe sometimes.
4: There's a bit of a random sort of third act shift for like maybe the last 20 minutes into stuff that's kind of like horror oh, okay. it sort of implies that one of the characters who has, spoiler, killed herself, um, has possessed the girl who has the diary. Now that's like, it's just some of the imagery that they present. It makes it seem like everyone at school is going a bit postal and so on. Like, I'm not sure how literally this is meant to be read. Yeah. Some people seem to have read it literally. I'm not sure I was reading it that way. Um, but... I just really, really like this. It was so, like, it really stuck with me when it ended, which I thought is really a sign of a positive film, because especially when you're sitting watching it and you're sometimes not following it and you're wondering why they're making certain decisions, but then when it just sits with you afterwards in this way, I think it's really, really compelling. And I think, especially if you look at it through the prism of South Korean culture, where it's so rigid and their schooling systems are so rigid and their expectations, their gender norms are so conservative like even in this day and age and um as i understand same-sex relationships are still kind of quite stigmatized over there um it's really interesting to look at how the central relationship the queer relationship between these two girls it's sort of is portrayed as a way of them finding a freedom that's separate from the social structures in the school especially because the film really explicitly portrays other female characters as having really intense competitive friendships like it's not a it's not a kind of a relaxing, encouraging yeah. friendship. It's, it's very much sort of the, the type of friendship where you just like egg each other on and take the piss out of each other. And, you know, it's, it's just all very heightened and so on. So the romantic relationship between them is portrayed as almost like an escape from that. But then the fact that it ultimately doesn't work out is also a reflection on how maybe that's not always healthy. Like, the friendship isn't always healthy. This response to it isn't always healthy. But, like, that makes it sound vaguely anti-LGBT, which it's not. It's more just... I think that reflects more on the way they're conditioned to look at these things and what they feel they need in order to succeed and how they internalize that sort of shame and, and so on and so forth. It's just, I just thought it was really, really interesting. It really fascinating. With me. Um, and I'm surprised that more people don't seem to have heard of it because I've never then heard of it. I went Googling for like essays and articles and so on. Cause I just thought I like, I want to see what other people think about this and I could find next to none. So I don't know if maybe it made as much of a splash outside of Korea, but it's, it's worth seeking out if you can find it. Um, And then we'll come back to some of these in the top 10. But I will say that I watched Always Be My Maybe. And I really liked it. Yeah, it's fun. Although I found it to be such a weirdly conservative film. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I think maybe just because it seems to place such a particular focus on conventional relationships. Like, the, the whole, I want to have a baby and I'll do it by myself if I don't find anyone. And, like, I... You know, this just this insistence that they have to pair up, which I know is an aspect of rom coms, but like it just feels really rigid here or something, as opposed to it being this
2: having refreshing uh, thing. Ali Wong's like best friend character is pregnant, pregnant at the time, and that I don't think that they intended for that to feed into into mm-hmm. that, but, but it's a bit of background it kind, of does, it kind of does because yeah. it's like, when are you going to?
4: Yeah, like so, that's no. how it came across to me, which I thought was kind of a shame. Now, now, that could just be me. And obviously, I read a lot of really positive responses to this, especially in terms of its level of representation of um, Asian American culture and specifically that kind of microcosm that exists within um, San Francisco and L.A., particularly yeah. San Francisco. Um, um, and even though it's did, shot in Toronto, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. like... Many, yeah, yeah, like everything, films. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but um, like that came through very strongly, and that was really refreshing. And obviously, the celeb cameo, which has been spoiled for everyone now, um, is is really really fun. But and worth noting,
1: an attempt to reclaim that actor as an Asian American himself.
2: Actually, yeah, which is Did you great. hear about who their their second choice was? If they could yes. Oh God, who? it's amazing. Uh, Tony long Oh, okay. I um, heard. Uh, I heard Paul Giamatti. i in the move for love. Yeah. Okay.
1: Jesus. Oh
2: no, yeah, Tony
1: long oh, It was. Well, uh, that I would think have that...
4: made more sense. <laughs> I <in> think that, <laughs> in terms that was Tony choice
1: I think the, the other choice is Paul Giamatti um, which I would have been much more on
2: board with I that guess. sounds
3: like a bad weird choice I
2: would have loved it if, I mean Keanu's great uh, Kenny's really great Tony, you get that knack and call needle job that would have been great
3: yeah
1: <laughs> just do the exact same movie but with Paul Giamatti in that role and tell me it wouldn't be a million times well, okay, about as good as the version that we have, just in a somewhere
3: near as good as <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly as good, good as. Um,
4: I don't know. I feel like having Keanu there was kind of integral in the sense that he's a complete douchebag in it, but because he's Keanu Reeves, you can one hundred percent see what she'd be like. Yep.
3: Sorry. Okay, <laughs> Keanu, I wouldn't take that from anybody else, but because you're Keanu, yeah. I'm not exactly.
2: Yeah. he's so funny. And, and this was.
1: It was yeah. shot between sequences on John Wick 3. Again, I'm not Amazing. sure how you can spoil John Wick 3, but there's like. The film has him in New York for a bit and Morocco in another bit. This was shot in like the three days that he had <laughs> off between the end of the New York shoot, at which point he flew off to Toronto to do this, and then back over to Morocco to do the rest of John Wick 3 which is great well, that
4: Toronto is his hometown the, uh, well I
1: mean he did go to was it Winnipeg to do Shakespeare in
3: 1996 of
1: it is. well this is why he turned down Speed 2 which turned out to be a that's very good decision that's not the reason he turned down
3: Speed 2 um, <laughs> the reason he turned Speed 2 was because everything about Speed 2 is
2: right. <laughs> yeah but then, um, the, the director of this and I think some of the other people involved uh, was fresh done, off the boat isn't it uh don't trust the bee in apartment twenty three. Yeah okay. And James Vanderbeek is kind of a similar like he plays himself and he's yeah. a kind CPS. of thing. Like uh, yeah. Very funny. And um, yeah, I I think I, I yeah, I kinda of picked up on some of the stuff that Grace was mm-hmm. in as well. Um,
4: it just felt like the subtext was a bit weird. Some but that of can which really I, just be me.
2: Some of which I kind of get because you know, rather than having the kind of standard rom com we have to have a blow up argument out of nowhere to kind of drive ourselves apart. It has this underlying thing with Randall Park's character where he resents Ali Wong's success and, and different things and when that flares up and like he's a likeable character and a likeable presence in it but when that side of him flares up he's quite off-putting oh, and, liking, and, yeah. and quite mm-hmm. um, quite nasty and the what it the film is kind of getting to there is if you don't get over this you know it, it, it's not gonna work out and but it's still there long enough and for often enough that, that yeah that, again mm-hmm. that kind of conservatism is, is creeping in it's also kind of slightly hampered i think by the fact that wong is a much better dramatic actor than park is like he's very funny and he's got very good comedic timing but I think there is a bit of a mismatch there. So again, when he's going to some of those places, the nuances of it aren't maybe coming out in a way that they could, Mm -hmm. but it's still, it's, it's very enjoyable. My issue with it was that it felt like it was the
1: standard model rom-com that Netflix would give you before trying to upsell you on something like Crazy Rich Asians or um, even Late Night This Week or, you know, that sort of stuff. We've had, like, a really good run of rom-coms and this yeah, is... Yeah, but,
4: but even in a post-like um, set, set It Up, up and yeah. To All The Boys I've Loved Before A World, which were yeah. are fairly conventional but in the terms of their well. structure, yeah. but they do something very refreshing. And I think yeah. it seemed like... Coming off the back of films like that, where the affection for their characters is so tangible, this film just felt like it had such a weird relationship with the characters and where they were in their lives and it, and what they should be doing with their lives. And that just, I don't know, it, it just, it, I found it a little bit off-putting because I was enjoying this, but I couldn't engage with it as much as I would have liked because I find myself going, why is this happening? This feels like a weird commentary on conventional relationships in this day and age. And that just, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of took me out of it. But I did enjoy it. So I can say that. And then because I've been talking for 500 years, I will just mention that I saw Booksmart and I really liked Booksmart. And Booksmart's great. And yeah, Booksmart is great. <laughs> great. Yeah. Um,
2: uh, like, it's it's, it's it's very funny, but it also has that kind of tint of, of kind of melancholy to it that, mm-hmm. that I really appreciated. Uh, not just in the, the the main two characters and that kind of school is ending and we're we're drifting apart kind of thing, but in all of the characters that it introduces in kind of a way that you think is or is set up to be dismissive and then kind of shades them out more, like Billy Lord, who is <laughs> amazingly good, at this. Uh, but you kind of you're like yeah okay it's it's kind of a all out kind of balls to the wall ridiculous kind of character and then you have Almost
1: developing the sort of like pathos. Yeah,
2: yeah, Mm -hmm. I thought that that was really well done.
1: There's an incredible empathy through it, which is remarkable, I think, which elevates it above many of its contemporaries, is that it's this understanding, again, maybe it's, you know, the the whole point of it is this idea of coming of age and realizing that as a kid, you don't have to be this one thing. You can party hard and Mm -hmm. get good grades, and the people who party hard don't necessarily get bad grades. That's
4: a good lesson to come to in high school, not when you're, like, 25, like some of us. Um,
1: I don't know what you mean. But, but like... You know, on top of that, you have this idea that absolutely everybody else is a person as well that's working through all of their stuff. I mean, even the bully, you know, the characters introduced as the bully turns out having a much more developed role um, as the story goes on as well.
2: And it, it does that while still being a kind of, uh, you know, scenic, episodic because they're, yeah, it's, they're it's, it's a pretty big so like, kind of yeah. a thing. And mm-hmm. those individual scenes work really well as nice yeah. set pieces, like yeah. with Jason Sudeikis in the, <laughs> in, the, in the in the Uber, yeah, yeah. Um,
4: oh, the the Alanis Morissette karaoke, yes, that that killed me. But um, I think what I'd be intrigued to hear from people who are actually high school age what they think of this movie. Because I'll let you know
3: when I see it Chris The
4: only thing that stood out to me was I was like, this feels like a very r- rosy, like right down to the way it has this sort of nostal- nostalgic. Vaguely orangey hue going through it. I'm like, it feels very much like somebody looking back in a wishful way at what the end of their high school experience you, would I have mean, been we, like and, and like it has that sort of fantastical element to it and I'm kind of like I wonder if like if you were I don't know 17, 18 and watching this today would you be like this is a pile of tripe or okay. would you love it?
1: Well this is one of the conversations that we've had in the podcast before where everybody except me apparently had a really crappy secondary school experience and I'm like but yeah this is pretty crap. Even... I would say
4: f- flatly Middling underwhelming
1: for me okay and underwhelming
4: I... and at times yes crap right.
2: I mean the... it's not like I peaked or anything but it's like
4: <laughs> but you know it didn't
2: wasn't... you know, but no, I mean. A, a yeah, the yeah, <laughs> big game. But it, it's not even that with 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 books, It kind of you could like this could be set in two thousand six or, yeah. or kind of nineteen ninety nine, mm. and it wouldn't change too that, that much. Yeah. Even if you look at a film like Ma, in, like, we well, we will we'll we'll, we'll be looking at a film like Ma. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jake. Oh, yes, like that. Uh, the way that that depicts what's teens the to more, you? You know, hip and now in in some ways than than this, but it didn't detract from it too much I, I didn't, uh, feel and just you know wild uh, Olivia Wild is you know one of these kind of crop now of actors turning directors, directors with kind of these
1: uh, coming of age stories yeah exactly yeah. like Jonah Hill like Greta Gerwig like uh, and yeah. just even Bill Burnham arguably
2: the 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 actual f- filmmaking skill on on the show here is, yeah. is actually yeah, really it's impressive very good. like. There's
4: a lot of visual flair
2: here. It's confident. Um, yes, and, it's and very kind of stylish. And the way that charming, you know, do you know, doing stylish and showy things in your first feature is kind of it can, it can be a showboaty thing. But Wild holds off on that until it's kind of thematically relevant. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which is. That, the kind of restraint you, is very encouraging to see yeah. from, from any mm-hmm. director, particularly somebody doing their, their, their first feature. You know, it's when they get to the party that they've been Dosed. dreaming of getting okay. <laughs> for yeah. so long yeah. and, and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that side of it as well. But where they are emotionally or chemically yeah. <laughs> fits into what's actually being done with, 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 with the camera, the camera yeah. which is, is really cool. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So that's me, I think
1: all right then uh, we're, I'm going to move very very quickly through mine I think Jay may have felt a bit left out after we sort of did cover those two films did so I, I think I'm going oh, to throw, throw one out. out there that myself and Jay can chew over because I know we both watched this Deadwood the movie
3: yes or Just as I call it um,
1: Deadwood the series finale
3: yeah it's a, it's a weird one I'm not getting involved in it is it a movie kind of thing or not no I'm not I <laughs> um, yeah, we, we both watched it. I've been waiting in, in, over a decade for this. Um, I
1: haven't been waiting eagerly for it. I kind of resigned myself to the fact it wasn't happening. Um, yeah, but then I... And arrived and it was like, th- hey! None
3: but hope that that killed yeah. you. Like, you know, um, I really like this. Um,
1: it's what really surprised me was the tenderness of it. Um, it is very much... It's really odd how it is... It's despite the fact... And perhaps because of the fact Deadwood was such a seminal TV show. Yeah. It's structured in a large part like a TV reunion movie. It opens with a gigantic party. Then there's a funeral in the middle of it. And we close on a wedding of two established characters, which is almost like the cliche of you're doing a reunion TV movie. Yeah. Like you you could do that model in like 1973. You could do it in 1983. You could do it in 1995 or whatever. But the interest- and, uh, I love that it does that, but without losing any of its yes. quintessential
3: Deadwoodness. The thing about it is Deadwooditude. That David Milch has no real interest in plot as such. Yes, never really has, never really will. I mean, I don't think this might be his one song.
1: Without getting too spoilery, the entire plot of this is your standard Western lander. Yeah, rap. I mean, it's it's, 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 yeah. it's boilerplate it's basic Western stuff. stuff yeah.
3: Like he um, just wants to get all the people back together again, yeah. and see what comes out of that. Yeah, and he has to stick to a certain points, like the thing Milch is like, there's obviously an Alzheimer's diagnosis that's come out yes, which just shades a couple this. of months back um, which shades it I think if you'd read anything about Deadwood the TV show uh, huge chunks of scripts were written on the flyby and he'd arrive at a new speech or a new soliloquy or five new pages just like written down five minutes ago and he'd film it and that was that. Yeah. So he moves on and he'd find the edit the show would be found in the edit in that yeah. way. Uh, this and wasn't HBO, HBO only locked on this because yeah. minimal changes he could make so it was, everything was different because of understandable kind of issues around that. Yeah.
1: And so the rhythm of the speech is off slightly but still it sounds more like miraculous in that way that it, it, it sounds more like deadwood than anything else on television because I mean it's amazing yeah. I didn't get a chance to rewatch deadwood before I watched I did, this thankfully um so for the fifth time. I had forgotten how it has its very distinct cadence yeah and
3: pattern and, and almost shakespearean with pulp yeah, 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 you know yeah
1: um shakespeare with swearing. Yeah,
3: but yeah. Um, I, ordered, um, was
2: swearing, I, <laughs> <laughs> old English.
1: Well, I mean, well, you know, that's the famous <laughs> story about
4: the parlance of the time. Yes. Yeah. yeah,
1: well, that's the thing with uh, Deadwood, where like they tried doing the using the era appropriate swear yeah, or whatever the things, uh, and it but they work. but they found that everybody sounded like, and I quote, Yosemite Sam. Yeah. Uh, gosh darn
3: Tootin um, which so is great. I kind of,
1: I kind of want to see a dub version where Ian McShane goes back and
3: just dubs over. Yeah. But the, the interesting the thing barman. that's come up in the last uh, few days is that W R Brown, who plays Dan Doherty in the show, uh, who's quite entertained on Twitter, uh, did a kind of a thread of about twelve or thirteen tweets about that originally when they were kind of when the edit was about two hours and twenty minutes, and the movie is about an hour and fifty, um, and uh, it was very much like almost like a double episode show with more reflective stuff in it, less, there was no flashbacks in it, for example. Yeah. Which,
1: the flashbacks are probably the weakest aspect. They are, they they
3: they are. I think, initially, they were quite jarring. I think by the end of it, I kind of appreciate, because if you take Asian as a thematic kind of conceit in the show, I think it, it works comparatively well at certain points. Better than others, I would argue, but certainly at certain points it works really, really well. Um, But, didn't need it, but I think at some points it worked, some points it didn't.
1: Yeah, that's it, exactly. I think that you could have done it with about half, if not a yes. third, of them. And like I... I'm
3: not sure that you needed to keep going no. back
1: to the box. No,
3: but I think it was more as well that you know. Well, no. What if you haven't rewatched we'll it in ten years? In 10, yeah. That you might be. But I, if, be honest with you, if mm-hmm. you haven't rewatched the show, I don't see why you'd be watching this personally. Like, well, you know, I didn't rewatch the show. No, no watch the show. Like, you know, like if you didn't, if you weren't familiar with it, but I mean, it would if make you, no sense. i about like, to say, if, say, if, didn't if you didn't sense. watch the show,
1: would those what flashbacks? are you doing here? No, but would those <laughs> yeah. flashbacks be like? Well, now I understand. Well, it now
3: it clicks. Yeah, exactly flashback. Shows me a tiny bit that somebody relationship doesn't tell you anything though. Like you know, but it is a nod to that kind of thing. But I kind of love Lies eyes and tears at the end of it. Because it is very emotional, I think the last act is, is really lovely, and and it kind of the, the whole plot thing and everything slows down, everything kind of slows down in the way of almost not wanting to say goodbye, which yeah. I really liked. Um, it's very well worth watching. I, I haven't, I meant to watch it again, I didn't get a chance to watch it again because I'm curious to watch it again, haven't seen it, so I can ignore certain things. Yeah, and then not that it's huge amount, of it, but but no. I certainly ignore. I just look your reading a little bit more. So yeah, very very melancholic goodbye.
1: I, I actually and I quite liked its thematic stuff as well the I idea do. of
3: Deadwood being a
1: show about like people trying to hold back progress as yep. embodied by Hearst and yeah. this idea of inevitability
3: oh, fucking Hearst. while
1: just you know holding back the dark. Hurst is capitalism
3: longer. in large like, I mean, like, in like, like, like he was, form, yeah. but I mean, I mean, his son is William Randolph Hearst. So yes. you know, I mean, these people have been a, a right. black right. slash black yeah, part of the sh- cloud in the landscape. The for a Citizen long. Kane shared yeah. universe. I think I'm
4: starting to see why Jay likes the show.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: What?
1: Um, so yeah in terms of very quickly some other stuff that I watched I rewatched watched Destroyer uh, which is uh, Karen Kasuma's one which is this is the I one like with um, Nicole yeah, I, oh, I like this. I really like this um, it was the second time watch for me it um, Aaron, I,
3: I will rewatch at some point
1: it's like again one of the things I really like about it is its portrayal of like trauma not in an abstract metaphorical no, no, sense it is in a very yeah. literal sense yeah. and this is again largely down to uh, Kusama as a director the camera's constantly tracking and yeah. pushing it's over Kidman's shoulder it's in front of her and pulling back on the the and weight on her,
3: of gravity on her, and, and it's, it's her.
1: tracking with yeah. her as well to create the sense that almost she's
3: being dragged. The, and like, yeah, because
1: yeah, like, like there's a sense of like she's constantly limping.
3: Her, it's it, she seems there's like a, her spine is. There's been, the worst chase scene ever. Well, when you but say worst chase, I mean sequence, the, best. the Yeah, there's a, a foot chase scene in it that
1: characters are, are repeatedly exhausted. knocked down. Mm. And they're exhausted. Keep getting yeah, back up so they can pound each for other. For and they
3: they barely walk. Like it's not fast. It's not. Uh, you know the uh, sprinting the
2: Will, the Will Fowl uh, ice skating movie Blades, <laughs> Blades of Glory there's
3: a there's, I am
2: going somewhere with this there's a chase <laughs> i sure you are they don't have to yet yeah. where they're, they're like running through like uh, a public area but they're on ice skates so they're you know like, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously very strained and difficult the, the chase scene in, in Destroyer is very similar yeah. <laughs> in look to to that yeah, so probably an influence. You know. Yeah, I mean, like that's <laughs> sure, a fair. But Certain,
1: I mean, even, even like things like Bradley Whitford getting hit repeatedly in the face and his face tearing
3: um,
1: under, that, like yeah, but under the sort of pressure of the but, the gun butt, as opposed to being one hit and you're down, yeah, and this yeah. conversation's over. And it's it's really visceral and aggressive like that. I'm not entirely sure the movie earns some of its narrative conceits. I think it's it's a little bit too twisty. It's got like a final act development that. It doesn't entirely earn, narratively speaking, and I don't uh, think it's entirely necessary. No, not um,
3: necessary. but I, I kind of went with it, but I okay. can take your point.
1: But, uh, yeah, no, I, I really, really liked it. I, uh, I really, really liked it and really appreciate the rewatch of it. Uh, also, first time watch was Alpha, uh, which is the John, sorry, not John Hughes. Apologies, that'll be a very different film. The Albert Hughes, a uh, story of a boy and the first dog, uh, which is, yeah, is this, 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 is, this is the this Has Rowan seen this? Is this a dog film?
3: Is, is this
2: the, uh, Cody Smith mcphee it? Yes, it's, it is yeah. indeed, yeah.
1: It is uh, the story of the first boy who domesticates the first wolf, and he becomes the first dog, and he is a good boy until he's not. In a twist uh. at the end,
4: uh, for God's uh, sake! But it—it's uh, <laughs> not happy about that.
1: <laughs> no, it's that's it's maybe not the twist that you think it is. Oh. But yeah, um,
4: Alpha. Yeah, it's it Wait, looks is he a werewolf.
1: <laughs> <Robot> <laughs> and dog. now we're going to be guessing all, all, all to the podcast is he a robot <laughs> it's a robot dog secretly it's a Westworld spin off is he a sent from God um, yeah he gets <laughs> know, Cody, Cody Smith McFay gets the end and it turns out the dog God was dead dog. all along um, but no it's it,
4: dog spelled backwards <laughs> Grace, got, you got this, Grace,
1: you got this. Grace, you blew my mind. Yeah. There.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it
1: looks absolutely beautiful. It's packed with a sort of like heavy saturation imagery. This wonderful shots dog? of landscapes. It's a real dog for a lot of the film. Yep, for the for action. A lot of the sequ- film, but well, for the action sequences with the I saber. Tiger. Stunt tiger. yeah, yeah stunt saber, dogs. like for the action sequences, saber toothed tiger. They couldn't throw a real dog in there, man. I mean, think about it, man. Just think about it. All Health all and safety. Dog in there, though. Yeah, um, it's not. Good though is the problem with it. Um it makes absolutely no sense. And I mean I'm fine with big, stupid movies making no sense whatsoever and Robot there being dogs. no internal logic Robot or consistency dogs. within them. But this kind of takes the cake a little bit too far. It at moments I it hate feels when films like films take
3: the cake too far. Yeah. It, I love that phrase. Gianna and when they mix like, yeah, when yeah, they yeah, mix it metaphors. Yeah, 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 it mix my
1: eggs into my cake and my <laughs> metaphor. Um
3: yeah, You really scrambled
1: that. <laughs> I really did. Yeah. But yeah, it it's <laughs> got that sort of like you know like the. That Roland Emmerich quality. Oh, God. Ooh you know that God. Roland where it's like... Run away! Like good
4: or bad Roland Emmerich? Is
1: there, like, a, is there a choice? somewhere between the two extremes. Like, it's not awful, but it's also not like transcendental. It's just stupid. And it, like... <laughs> it's
4: the day after tomorrow. It, it
1: looks beautiful, though, yes. um, which is a shame. But, yeah, I, can, I can't recommend it, unfortunately. are we watched Greta! Which is great. Great is great fun. Great 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 fun. Great fun. It's, it's fun. bonkers. And on rewatch, holds up remarkably well. I was kind of worried about going into it and watching it again. Me too. Um, I was very worried about that. But uh, no, it had held up relatively well. I also rewatched Ocean's 13 as well, which is Ugh. the best Al Pacino performance since Insomnia. The highest bar for an Al Pacino performance to clear. Who are, indeed? Um, no, just a grand, charming hangout film, really. It's, um, it's a bunch of it's famous straight. people.
3: Is That's is. twelve. You're
1: thinking of twelve. No, I'm not.
3: I'm thinking of both of them. aging
4: really badly. What? Who? Brad Pitt. No. Oh. Just throwing that out there. You mean no. like
1: physically or like as physically, a concept? Okay. He looks like
4: he's turning into cardboard.
2: Really? Wow. He looks like a Dublin wax mu- museum version, version of Brad himself. Pitt.
4: No, we saw the trailer for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or whatever it's called last night, and I was just like. Shh. Sorry
3: oh. that's no help to anyone Please a, continue Sorry that's... <laughs> Thank you Grace for that Just you Ocean 13 I thought Brad Pitt What was I thinking about
4: Brad Pitt recently Oh
3: yeah he looks like shit <laughs> Brad Pitt looks like shit That's like a that's football It really is, Brad, is yeah, Brad Pitt played football chat, chat. That's yeah. a football champ Brad Pitt so- looks <laughs> like shit Brad Pitt looks <laughs> like shit <laughs> Brad Pitt Anyway Sugar sorry Brad Pitt We like to apologise you know, Brad Pitt You up, look great so He's yeah. going to be a sad astronaut, in to oh, this, this astronaut Who ever heard happens. of a sad astronaut All
2: around
1: me are familiar faces <laughs> yeah, um, Anyway I, I enjoyed Ocean's 13 good for you, as like a, good as for as you As watching a bunch of very attractive famous people enjoy each other's company while shooting on location in Las Vegas Can I give you my and,
3: Ocean's right, rankings Go, Go for, for it. it. 11, 8, 12. No, 11, what?
1: 8, 13, 12. Okay.
3: 11, 13, 8, 12. I'm going, I'm going with Jay on this one. Goodbye. I think I've
4: only seen Ocean's
3: 8. Okay. Ocean 11's great. 11 is really good. It's really good. I've seen part Charming. Of
4: it, but not all
3: of No, okay. It's very, like, you'll... Feel like you've seen it all, probably from various yeah. Uh, I mean, like it's culturally. It's, it's kind of, kind of soak, but it's great. It's really there's an the Elvis Beatles, remix. Like passing, so it's yeah. really dazzling. That kind of not good. <laughs> No, it's not. But it's also part of its charm in a weird kind of way.
1: Yeah. Um. And then I rewatched the entire X Men franchise oh. because I Ooh. figured we might yeah, as well. That is a
3: of
4: highs and lows.
1: We might as well do this because I figured, look, everybody's celebrating the MCU hitting the big ten. are uh, gonna say s-
3: celebrating the end of Snyder? Oh, no, sorry, Snyder I, 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 singer. singer.
1: But yeah, you know, like everybody's Bradley celebrating Singer's the, the 10 year yet. mark, the 21 movie mark for Endgame. And I figured somebody might as well hold up a little birthday candle, like in the wind that refuses to light in honor of the X Men franchise. A and, candle in the wind. And it is, a, yeah, a birthday cake candle in the Sandal wind. We're, Lance, apparently ca- the we're, we're apparently carrying uh, this metaphor as far as it will go, like a cake. I'm
4: blaming all anyway. the sugar and the treats that Jay brought us.
3: Anyway, but uh, me too. it is,
1: it is a, it's peaks and troughs
3: is what this is. Um, like every good franchise. every good franchise. It's, films, it's yeah.
1: remarkable in large part because it feels like the uncanny valley between like the Marvel movies and older fashioned 80s blockbusters to a certain extent. Um, most notably in like, Wolverine Origin which is the worst X-Men movie by a, no it's not second worst movie X-Men movie by a significant distance I have um,
4: a little soft spot for that just because of the is in it I which mean,
1: one? X-Men Origins Wolverine it's the moment where I've he chops the fire one. escape like it's lumber yeah. which I've is just something one, to behold uh, uh, that, that and, and the
4: part where he says he's Canadian
1: um, but yeah there's there's
4: <laughs> for those two things
1: that's very hyper specific it's at its best when it's sort of not sure what a superhero movie looks like and it's kind of playing by its own rules like i quite like and again this is the problem with singer where it's like i like x-men I like x-men too but I, you know i feel like i'm never going to watch either of them ever again uh but also it's at its worst when it's trying to do a lot of the mcu stuff when it looks most like an mcu movie watching the last stand was a kind of a big shock because that looks like a really crappy version of Infinity War and Endgame, right down to the big climactic. Let's put our superheroes in charge of a bunch of soldiers while a bunch of characters with different superpowers fight on a really generic back battlefield background, um, so that we can just sort of like zoom so are, the camera saying, through it and offer fan service uh, in honor of it. It's it's kind of it's what? weird how it like even the mimetic quality of "I'm the Juggernaut, bitch," which seems to like prefigure a lot of stuff around the way sort of like you know you have these mimetic moments I mean, you know, sandwiched within.
3: I don't think I've seen that. No, I know that bit. bit. I don't means. in yes. the context again, of this again, film. The, I don't think I've seen this film.
1: X Men Three, the the Brat the Retina version. I've because, seen the bridge bit. Yeah. It's the bridge bit. Yeah, yeah, that's obviously because like we finally got rid of the sexual predator behind the camera. Who will we hire to replace him? <laughs> Another and it's one. like another sexual predator, um, but yeah, For, you know he's not as bad as that guy who will bring back yeah um, Matthew Vaughn. Is
4: is not no, no, Matthew
1: Va- Matthew Vaughn is just like lucky to be in that kind of c- comparison because he gets to be the good one.
3: Uh, by Hang on, what there's a bit, of,
4: a bit of unconfirmed scandal about that. Yes, down.
3: there yeah. indeed. is indeed. That's exactly that's, what, that's what, that's we're what we're alluding mean. to. I'm yeah, a big fan. Of. Shit, man, if I had problems like you know. Matthew that Vaughan way would I'd look for a gig at the arc. X-Men
1: well I mean yeah because because comparison comparatively speaking
3: Matthew Vaughn guys I've barely molested anybody give me an X-Men you <laughs> get, an X-Men. <laughs> you get an, X-Men. Uh, an X-Men you get an X-Men it's not uh, that
4: kind of scandal no it's not right, that kind so right. it's sort of like a preliminary interview process for directors that were like tell us about your demons yeah. and then, did you oh, touch anyone one. Yeah. you've
3: just got X-Men 5
1: baby um, <laughs> but yeah it, it's yeah the last stand is kind of one of the most interesting ones there because it feels most like a Marvel studios is This is this a darn fascinating film no it's a bad film, oh, right, let's okay. be absolutely clear. But this sort of like fan service of like, yeah, the,
3: I, I never, yeah. I tried to watch some of it and it was
1: um, dangerous. i this bad. in
4: the cinema.
3: Oh, Jesus
1: Christ. In terms of, it's also again in terms of like of the X Men movies doing Marvel movies badly. X Men Apocalypse is awful. It's
3: um, one of the worst it's, movies. Doesn't everybody say that? I don't, I think I've never seen the internet as uniform. As saying that that's bad, like I've rarely seen anybody mm. go to that Well, the bathroom, right from the News
4: effect on, on on what's his wait. Oscar
3: Isaac. Oscar No, but
4: what's the character called? Apocalypse. Oh. Okay, it's, it's in the title. That whole detail. Yeah. <laughs> anyway.
1: The film's really landed a market. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't what's remember the, the name, name, name of the villain in Apocalypse. It's about oh, is he called oh.
4: Apocalypse or is he called something else? <laughs> Apocalypto.
1: Anyway, uh, Abensur. It's not good. No, um, And again, it's remarkable because it's the X-Men movies trying to do the Marvel movie thing, where it's like, we're going to establish a hot young cast that can carry a franchise for 10 to 15 years. Ha! Um, but we're also going to try and do this big crossover. We're going to include lots of fan service. There's going to be urban devastation at the climax. We're going to level this gigantic city in a CGI monstrosity. There's going to be conflict, but no
2: stakes. And it's, it's kind of, yeah. The, there's kind of a fascinating... In the way that they try to have all that in- interconnectedness, and, yeah. uh, they've tried to reboot several times yes. <laughs> across the same franchise. It, one, the problems of one film end up feeding into another. Like, they introduced that young cast really badly and that will cause problems um, for the next film. Down the will, next it? Line. will it? Will um, it? Um, my, my kind of hot take about the X-Men movies is that uh, none of them are good all who? the way through from beginning to end. Like, there are a lot of really good moments in a bunch of them but they Not all kind of... Even X2? Even next 2 kind of when you get to the end, it, I don't know, it, it has been a while since I've seen it, but a lot of them hit these really hard stumbling blocks, even the good ones, and then a lot of them are... The most dreadful little shite. I am.
1: I am going to. I'm going to go with a counter hot take and say
3: eight out of twelve of these are good. Ah, stop, Darren. Eight out of twelve. Oh, I'm more. I'd lean towards them. That's, that's, that's a bad inning than,
4: though. That's like two that's yeah,
3: like that's, two thirds. but Darren's things. wrong on this. I'd say though. You know.
4: <laughs> I
1: mean, you know. I mean. Well,
4: I think only three of them are good. So
3: yeah, even harsher than, than Darren.
2: That hot on so.
1: But, yeah, I mean, and I am the Which harshest time? critic on this and podcast. And the one that
4: everyone universally loves, I don't yeah. like. Which so one? Um, Logan.
1: Yeah, me neither. I don't <laughs> so like First Class. Logan's uh, great. First Class is the best. Of no, me. it's not. First like Class is grand. First, First Class is great. the taps into that. Again, more superhero movies should be that colourful, that willing to be silly, and that, you know, sort of willing to
3: be sort of like, you know, to play. I, with I, I quite ideas. like Logan, but it didn't really fly the second time around. I, mm-hmm.
4: I just remember sitting through it thinking I've never seen a film more manifestly made for dudes. Of certain Age and persuasion. Yeah. I, and it just, it was so off putting. All Everything the hype was, was so about off-putting.
2: how mature and and serious oh this is. Oh my god, we're going to make was. Professor
4: X swear. And you guys were so edgy.
2: Literally walking. Because I, I came in about a minute late and there's just swearing, like right away. And then people are getting their heads cut off. I was like, oh, okay.
4: See, I couldn't even enjoy the heads being cut off. It's great. Cr- yeah. And normally I love a bit of decapitation.
3: Leonardo Decapitation. I know. My favorite decapitation yeah. of my dad. Uh, He's creepy uh. and he cuts heads off. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. Well, there's, there's your Marvel reboot when you're recasting Leo Leonardo DiCaprio Leonardo. as Decapitator. <laughs> Decapitator. What are the... What are Decaprit- the... Three or with, uh, we, God, the or The with,
1: bad. No, oh, the bad ones. Okay. Well, without getting too spoilery. Just tell us the good ones. Without getting too spoilery, the bad ones are X-tier, in ranking in ascending order of terrible badness. Right. Um, and the first one. Okay, so Dark Phoenix is the least bad of the bad Can't ones. Can't wait to see. I know. Ones. Tell me about that. X Men Three is the second least bad of the bad ones. Okay. Then we go to X Men Origins Wolverine, which, despite a sequence in which Wolverine cuts a fire escape like a lumberjack, is that it's the Japanese awful. one? Which is the no, Wolverine. that's the Wolverine. I don't think Wolverine right.
4: is that bad.
1: And it's then finally... I
4: just think it's banal. Apocalypse.
1: No, it, 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 again, it's doing all that universe stuff. It's a Wolverine movie that inexplicably has like 13 different mutants in it. It's yeah. also like rehashing out the best parts of X-Men... Uh, not the best parts, but like the leftover parts of X-Men 2 and filling out the rest of it with just like cliches and tropes. Oh, like, it was
4: Ryan Reynolds it's as
1: well. At its, best, it's at its best when it's like this unashamedly 80s action movie where it's like... Wolverine has to go and visit his old combat buddy who now lives in a grimy gym and has vital information. So they have to spar together so Wolverine can get this vital information out of his old combat buddy. And
4: his literal brother is trying to kill him.
1: Yeah, it's it's at its best in that stuff. It's at its worst when it's just like, hey, and there's Charlie from Lost and one of the hobbits and he can turn on lights. Can we get an action figure, please? So yeah, <laughs> it really, really is. Um, but yeah, so in terms of the good ones, uh, Justin,
3: just in just good ones. Oh yeah, sorry, was Sorry, I feel like we started okay, four fine. hours ago. The, vil-
4: the Wolverine, as in the one that's actually set in Japan, yep. is like two thirds of a perfect film oh, I before it, it's it goes it's appalling the end is appalling it the third act is don't you point that me Grace first, no it was completely up. the yeah, th- third right. act is a but train but the first two thirds are really are good yeah. Yeah. really genuinely mm. so thoughtful and mm. elegant and they have her Sanada in it and they, they paved the way
1: for Logan so <laughs>
2: you the see the exact moment where the studio notes came in yes out.
1: yeah <laughs> can we get a giant samurai suit please who directs no. this one uh, this one is uh, James Mangold. Um, in mm-hmm. preparation for Logan. Oh, okay. One of the um.
4: villains explicitly identifies herself as capitalist. Yeah. You'd be yeah. all in favour of watching her get yeah. mangled there, Jay. Yeah.
3: Who wouldn't? Um,
1: DiCaprio. <laughs> by <laughs> DiCaprio. By <Dicapritator. laughs> um, And then I'll give Deadpool, X Men, Deadpool, like Deadpool, Days of um, Future, Past, X Men 2,
3: Stop um, Just Logan, Iron. Right. And
4: I
1: like fast that's Pass
3: the a last lot. one. I quite like Days of fast the end, The
4: ending of Days of Future Past is one of my like really precious memories in a cinema where I was like, oh my god, they're all alive again. And, it was and then they all die in Logan. And happy. There's, there's yeah, but I don't, don't like Logan, in, so it doesn't count. There's a lot
2: of good stuff in Days of Future Past. It's just constantly with those movies, they've got so much going on yeah. that they can't mm-hmm. keep all the plates spinning. Yeah. So yeah. you'll yeah. have. Well, Magneto dropping
4: a
1: stadium on the White House in Days of Future Past is a completely unnecessary. Can I just make
3: a point though, and you know, not to be that guy. Although I am going to be that guy. Okay. Um,
4: you're not always that. Coy. No. I'm not always, but today. Oh, you're about to be.
3: They're going to fold in X-Men into Marvel, right? Yeah. And just talking about plate spinning, how was that even possible without a? Oh, would have to do a hard reboot.
4: They're doing yeah. a yeah, hard. They're of, doing a
3: hard of reboot. What?
1: Um, everything all the all the roles are going to be recast with the exception of uh no, no, Mar- no.
3: deadpool i think you missed my point how are they going to fold them into at marvel point of the marvel well, they're yeah, going to
1: reveal there's like, like 20-
3: 7000 marvel characters they've the
1: they've got it the they've got an earmarked for 2021 I suspect like movies two, two years yeah, right. I, suspe- I, it, I suspect that you will see a Dark Phoenix movie by twenty twenty eight at the latest. I, oh, Guys, I I'm, I'm like gonna complete. say something controversial. Oh, God, I old.
4: honestly don't mind the prospect of the MCU introducing the X Men. Oh,
3: I don't I, 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 I don't care for but the But I idea, like the like, MCU. I don't particularly I like the X-Men, several parts I of the MCU, but I think
4: And I like X Men. And I yeah. like the idea of the two of them coming oh, together. I thought, oh, the I Charles actually... and
3: Xavier thing is exhausting. I'm sick of them. Yeah. Oh, I'm... We'll come together and then we'll double cross you. We're nah, 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 English. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> it's boring. Nobody cares. We've done it for 20 years.
1: I think you'll find one of them is from upstate New York yeah, and the other is from
3: Colorado. Look, um. I'm in a wheelchair. Look, I'm <laughs> the really evil guy. Oh, Charles. We could. Uh, uh. Would you like to play some chess? Yeah. Uh, put uh, a metal a smart, head on me. Yes. Oh, look. Which English uh. actor has fallen lower down the rungs than Michael Fassbinder can be cast? Anyway, I did just don't did care. If
4: you just he's suggest Ross Bender
3: might be English, no, I do because he's <laughs> such a bad actor at the moment that I'm happy to. <laughs> anyway, I'm happy to cast him aside. Uh, no, the one way or another, you're never
4: going to give us a sequence as thrilling as when the evil people break into the X Mansion in X2 and all the kids run riot on them.
3: X-Men. Charles, we're never going to be well, I mean, accepted I mean, by the uh, humans. And uh, and uh, gonna, to,
4: like edit out that part where Wolverine stabs the guy and yells because it was too disturbing <laughs> for the Americans.
3: I don't, I don't care for X Men and I don't care to see any.
1: I, I will be sad That's to see the weirdness of squandered and flattened
3: down into bland corporate it's a weirdness product. it's been bland and shite for years darling we'll just stop with the weirdness I can't it's believe a I'm creep the making them. That's, them. Them. them that's the <laughs> only thing about it <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> the, that's the weirdness about it I, okay. it's a creep how, how the, how it rest of is. the films I, are I, this is... average to shite <laughs> and I'm sorry it's this most Marvel films I've seen are better than practically all the X-Men films I'm sorry so Darren this is a you are wrong
1: those, those three best the only funnier? way is up, the, the, only best, way is up. <laughs> the best X-Men movies are better than the best Marvel movies nah. by a considerable there. distance it's been nah, nah. like
4: a solid 20 years since the original incarnation of X-Men cinematically was introduced to us there are a bunch of kids today who don't know anything about it and don't give a they shot they just released a film
3: two days ago or yes, whatever it was but a that's new, enough X-Men a take 10 years out yeah, no
1: like I, I would be quite happy to Retire them and not have them come back at all, and I'm kind of dreading the prospect of Marvel presents. The and can the we saga.
3: end Brian Singer's career? We should, well, but I mean that's that's. that's stop renting the way. movies or buying the movies because he gets dollars every time you do it. Torrent them.
4: I already own yeah. X2. Yeah. Yes, yes.
3: Uh, again, I already paid. Torrent for it. all and them. And I don't pay for any more ever. And I don't imagine I will ever be going back. To and torrent again. Bohemian Rhapsody. Don't buy it because Brian Singer directed that. No matter what the cover says. Thank you, Matt Matsalitz. Thank you.
4: Anyway. Well now
1: all right let's move be on to talking about the week now. in film news what yeah. we're still here this has been the week in film news. <laughs> this has um, been a week hasn't anyone it
4: one is still listening to this I'm sorry
1: we've got some good news for uh, Grace actually because South, the Do South we? Korean Film Institute has actually put 200 titles yes. on
3: YouTube oh, <gasps> so you can visit I,
1: the... did I not know about this yeah. uh, so, uh, so Jim,
3: Guy Lodge actually did a highlight thing in the streaming thing on yeah. the Guardian I probably about Guy
4: Lodge and which is
1: I
3: know in his Guardian streaming po- uh, thing every Monday I think uh, it's quite good and quite informative yeah, and he talks about and what, about films right They're the
1: completely free. Um You can watch them. They're from the '60s, the '70s. The searching
3: of and it, co- is a bit tricky. But
1: Grace is actually literally on YouTube right now, right
3: now, watching one of these. So yeah, on her watch, on our Apple Watch, <laughs> yes. she's watching it yeah. on the smallest screen imaginable. Yeah, no, I'm not. watching
4: it on a Korean phone. You know? but yeah so
3: just to, to
1: raise awareness and sort of make people yeah, aware no, of that it's, yeah, it's very worth seeking out and it's absolutely free we talk we talk a lot in this podcast about making movies available to people and that's a phenomenal we do thing. we would absolutely love we if do. you know again the funding isn't necessarily there for Ireland to do something like that but it would be great to
3: see <laughs> here's a tenor. put the up the something to that i Ob- Ob- watch uh, watch it in standard definition all yeah. of it Sorry.
1: In terms of that, the Galway Film Flaw, which we're very, very excited about, um, have announced uh, some of their first
3: Varda, films. Varda, Varda, Varda. Varda. Um, Sorry. Well, let's
1: let's let's build. Let's, all right, build, let's build. All right. Oh, okay. So the closing film is going to be the international premiere of Never Grow Old,
3: which is it's the, the Ivan Kavanaugh Western with John Cusack and Emil. Animators. I've heard mixed to. Interesting things about this. It's the premiere, Jay. How no, it's been you... out in the states and some of oh, the other everything. Like premier. it's the, international, oh, premiere. the it's international premiere. It's been out. A while. Uh, yeah. I so. put the
1: wrong emphasis
3: in that. That's word. okay. You emphasize the waiter. Uh,
1: there's a double bill starring Time Daily, uh, which is
3: the Bread Factory yeah, part which one is and the Bread Factory very, very part good. two. Very great about
1: uh, Which is American Indie. Apparently, it's, yes. it's very good.
3: And good in American Indie, not Sundance American Indie.
1: And the Saturday night slot has been given over to um, Extraordinary, which is a film that we've been tracking on this podcast for quite a while. Is, this it? is the uh, Directed by Micah Hearn and Enda Lockman. <laughs> um, okay. It's the story of a driving instructor who must use her supernatural gifts to. Save a lonely man's daughter from an aging rock star hoping to use her for a satanic sacrifice. That actually good sounds Lord. great. <laughs> I don't that. want to see that. Starring Maeve yeah, Higgins, yeah. Will, oh, yeah, yeah. and That's Barry the, Ward. I think that was
3: at South, by South West, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. And yeah. it actually garnered very good work. Yeah, about yeah I don't No,
3: sorry, I know. I know where it. Yeah. So I'm really, really excited about yeah, that. Yeah, I one. want to
1: see that. Um, the Irish Film Institute is heading down with Glimpses of Galway, which is a wonderful new programme of archival films made in and about Galway, which range from the silent movie era of the 1920s through to the 1970s. To
3: me, eating and, and Galway restaurants uh, <laughs> which is one of my favourite pastimes
1: which is great you can combine the two things
3: oh I shall don't worry about it Darren
1: um, My Foolish Heart which is a stunning modern noir set in Galway's own uh, starring Galway's own Steve Wall as jazz lesson, legend Chet Baker uh, alright okay. fine I'm sure that'd be grand fine Go let's on. get you, you, know let's like, well, you know we've
4: been
1: building this hit me darn. there's a special tribute happening say what to the legendary French director, Agnes Varda. Yes. Uh, which will include screenings. Um, well, first of all, her latest film yes, will be screening. Her new, film. There, so our new last film, film is there. Uh, which we're very, very excited about. <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, but there'll be classic screenings as well, including uh, Cleo f- 5 nine to, to 7. seven. Yeah. um Une Chant l'autre pas. Uh, Vagabond. Uh, the Gleaners and I. Le Pointe Corte. Um, and Varda par Agnes. Yes. Varda par Agnes. Yes
3: yeah uh, this is great I've seen most of those uh, the IFI had them last year a good chunk of them their new film I am tremendously excited to see uh, bar the season never ends yeah
4: it's always bar the season
3: it's always hearts. bar the season bar festival
4: bar the toujours and no care
3: exactly
1: in terms of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, the Canadian Media Fund, and the Northern Ireland Screen have to, have announced yesterday, um, as we're recording this, the 2019 rounds of their co-development funding scheme. Did I get any money uh, this time? The Celtic, uh, your Countess Markovic film, I
3: believe, we're very, very excited Got about. Twenty it. quid worth <laughs> developing that, uh, which is great
4: for you to buy two pints exactly.
3: Did <laughs> and think about it um,
4: in her honour.
1: But yeah, so they've they've basically uh, yes, they've. Uh, they've announced them you can apply actually if you want I? yeah the uh, yeah, don't, don't try not to sound so. no I want my
3: Markovic's money no, no, you want, <laughs> I want that juicy check you want to you make your Markovic yeah, um, yeah. thank you
1: very much I can't believe it took me four weeks to come up I with know, that right? uh, but yeah you can apply um, for funding there um, up until noon on September 19th 2019 okay. Um, there's a lot of money invested in there. There's 133,000 euro or 200,000 Canadian dollars, uh, which is available for Can claiming. you pick which one you want? Um, yeah, depending on how <laughs> yeah. the market's gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want, ha- can I
3: take the dollars? Uh, I
1: do
4: feel it's going to be good. Money. Yeah.
1: The uh, maximum yeah. contribution for each project will be 33,000 euro or 50,000 Canadian dollars. Very decent there. Uh, uh, which is very good. You should yeah, be able to hopefully definitely. do something of use with that. Finally, worth noting that the program has been announced for the inaugural China-Ireland International Film Festival, which will be running from June 24th due to June 29th, uh, which will be taking place. It's... Uh Going to see a varied selection of Chinese films, um, with a series of Irish, and it's gonna, it's gonna be a two-leg thing. Apparently, this half is taking place here, but they'll also be screening Irish films in China in 2020. Oh, okay. As well, which is great. Um, so this is being hosted by the China Changchun Film Group Corporation, which is one of the largest studios in China. They'll be presenting, uh, some of their highlights, including Jackie Chan's 1911, The Revolution, uh, starring Chow Yun Fat. Um, they'll be producing The Sun, Uh, And they'll also be showing Cableway, Doctor, and the woman behind the man.
3: Where are these being screened?
1: Uh, These are being screened... um, UCD, I believe, apparently. Oh. Oh. Okay. oh no they're, they're being screened across Dublin actually to be clear so like the 1911 uh, screening will be taking place on Monday the 24th of June in the Lighthouse Cinema Screen 1 very good um, Mr. Den Goes to Washington will be in the Lighthouse Cinema Screen 1 Once uh, which is a modern day musical set in Dublin will be f- screened oh yes Once is yes. that Once? that's is our Once one? that's modern our modern once, day yes. screening oh yeah uh, will be taking Stern, in, Charlie Fat
3: as uh, <laughs> as Glenn S- Screen 6 <laughs> she, The Crossing yeah, actually <laughs>
1: uh, which screened at the Dublin Film Festival and yes. which I really enjoyed and which I'd wholeheartedly recommend seeking out we screening on Tuesday the 25th of June at half three in the afternoon in Lighthouse Screen 3 so if you want to go see something i've seen that and would recommend that maybe i will uh the assassins will be screening at three o'clock on wednesday the 26th um the sword identity airing at eight thirty that night uh on thursday there's the screening of the woman behind the man in ucd which will be taking place at noon um and yeah so it's running all week the very, good. very worth seeking out some of the sea actually will be airing as part of the irish segment including a post-screening q a uh, as well If you're interested in that, that'll be taking place at three o'clock in Cineworld screen six on Friday, the 28th of June. So very, very worth seeking out. It is also worth seeking out and worth noting that in international film news, um, the trade war between the US and China is apparently hitting American indies, uh, which is Hmm. interesting as well. Uh, Because, again, a lot of the money that's financing uh, those films as well is coming through China these days, increasingly. Um, And so, yep so there's been oh, some nice. note in terms of that as well so in terms of your international politics and film news that's probably worth flagging there but I let's...
4: was going to mention that the Korean Film Festival is happening next week but I've just looked it up and it's already all sold out so that's probably no help to anyone <laughs> which is great I <laughs> guess already have tickets if t- you already have
1: tickets remember that it's taking remember place remember it's happening oh, I, rem- I meant the... to uh, look
3: it up and forgot between and the
4: 13th and the 15th
3: god damn it
4: it sells out really fast
3: although on the way. actually no shit anyway anyway
4: Anyway, I'm going to see three films, so I'll report nice. back. Nice,
1: enjoy. All right, then let's move on to everybody's favorite part in the podcast: the top ten. Woohoo! I believe Luke has seen seven of these. <laughs> I Good think so. Seriously, so let's uh, let's Maybe run we never through talked them.
4: Talked about Batman Forever.
1: All right, no, we we'll next time.
4: Later's. At, Sorry, continue.
1: At number ten, Luke, have you seen Paw Patrol Mighty Pups?
2: Oh yes, uh, that's that's Bad Puppy Point of Call New Pawlets. <laughs> 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 The scene where the dog smokes the crack pipe was particularly harrowing. Nowadays. I always right, see him wearing a hair. <laughs>
4: um,
1: at number nine, it's The Hustle, which has earned nearly half a million euro at the Jesus. Irish box of the day, 422,000. You
3: don't even need like good reviews, do you? Just no, be just be funny. Just look like something Where is that money for books, Mark? I mean, yeah.
1: That's the question. I'm I'm I mean, to be one. fair, the threshold to get in this week was only 23,000 euro. Um, Oh, it's been lower. The smart's up. out for that's another week. Yeah, um, and to be fair, it did open on Monday night, so it's possible that that weekend was sort of spread over the week as a whole. Um, mm. Although I think the numbers don't quite indicate that, unfortunately. No. Um, but yeah, so you have not seen the hustle. No. Nobody here has seen the hustle. All right, at number eight. Avengers Endgame. I've Still going. I've seen a film. <laughs> 6.2 million euro at the Irish box office. Yeah. We're less than 100 million off Avatar at the moment, claiming the top movie it's of Robbie all time. It? it may just miss, but all you have to do is just do a re-release a year or two down the line. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interestingly, in terms of film news, worth noting that Robert Downey Jr. has thrown his weight behind artificial intelligence as the future of mankind. Apparently, having learned nothing from his own movies, yeah, what, what um,
4: or indeed yeah. a notable movie of Chris Evans, i.e., Snowpiercer.
1: But yeah, so he's he's arguing that like the future Noble. of climate change can be um, could be averted with
3: nanobots. No. Oh, please stop, Robert Downey we Jr. That's what too, too much the money. Too much money. That's yeah. the end game. <laughs> yeah. Somebody take the money off Robert Downey Jr. Too much money. Um, too much time now.
1: In terms of, we did plug the you know Korean Film Institute, so we should probably plug Robert Downey Jr.'s YouTube channel, which has videos on this very topic. No, if they are
3: not. interested, yeah, we,
4: we should just continue plugging the Korean Film Institute.
3: Also, in stupid news, uh, there was a uh, Marvel. <laughs> what a segue! A Marvel. Um, <laughs> oh, petition, petition to, change. to bring Robert Downey Jr. back from the dead. Yeah. Why? I don't know because people are just fucking. Why? Do like, you um, want
4: him to still be making these films when he's 84? For, Which like. is in
3: five years' think, time. I think Disney <laughs> would quite like that,
1: actually.
2: <laughs> he, would. Uh, he would. We're would only be enslaved <laughs> by his own robots by <laughs> that <Yeah.
1: laughs> <laughs> time. beaten up
3: by all his... Uh, Ultra is a
1: very big fan of Iron Man 84. Um, not, and that's not the year that it's set, to be yeah. clear. Um, in terms of other movies that are released, uh, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, is at number seven, oh, having earned 587,000 euros at the Irish box office a day. Ble-
3: what you got.
1: <laughs> not a quote okay. from the film, Jay.
3: No, it's not that. Simple.
4: Um, I like this a lot. This was very good. It is not as good as the previous two, which I feel yeah. it goes without saying. Um, I think it's a little bit too long, and it takes a very circuitous route to more or less get back where it started. Yeah. Um, and unlike the second one, I don't think the world building. It doesn't really work for me anyway. It all seems a little bit tokenistic, whereas I felt like there was a lot of imagination put into the world building in the second one. Um, But all that being said, it is very, very, very fun. Really just an absolute joy to watch like I could sit there and watch Keanu just murder people with knives for hours and, and horses end. don't forget horses and the horses like well, actually murder, murder using the horse knives? no
1: he murders oh, people right. with horses
4: yeah yeah he uses the horse to murder people and also there are dogs that like bite people in the balls and destroy them and it's and they run up walls and it's great yeah, it's And it's all really rad <laughs> <laughs> but He's then also the best books. part yeah
1: that, that sequence is great but
4: then he returns the book to the library shelf in the correct place. that's not hygienic it may not but be hygienic but it is orderly
3: it is in
1: fairness it's, it's, yeah. it's, when it's somebody says I literally devoured that book that's <laughs> not what they mean um, um,
4: but also this has Mark Dacascos in it who is fabulous so good he's so good Sorry, in everything he... I've seen he's, him in. is
1: he from Cra- what was he in was it Cradle to Grave what's the movie I'm thinking of
4: I don't know what movie you're thinking of but I know him from the, Cradle the, Grave, yeah. the Crow Stairway to Heaven oh, okay. TV series which I actually really liked mainly
1: actually
2: extraordinaire. extraordinary yeah. also and,
1: Hawaii Five-O and fanboy John Wick fanboy which is probably
2: the and you, yeah. that enthusiasm comes like Brimming through yeah. The, yeah. the way that the character treats yeah. John Wick mm-hmm. uh, is, is so interesting because yeah. yeah. he's so starstruck by him. He but gets also some, needs to some kill wonderful him. moments mister Listeners can't this too. hear Jay
1: shaking his head, but I assure I you, it's it happening. Uh, These movies
3: are I great. Know what you mean?
2: Uh, this one I really, really liked. Um, I, I, uh, the the kind of circuitous nature of it, I actually kind of appreciate on a scoff, if you will, thematic level because. <laughs> John Wick is really like he's Sisyphus as as the action hero you know Uh, he's kind of trapped in he's been dragged into this underworld and is kind of trapped in well
1: literally like the the lobby man is called Sharon yeah you you have all that kind of religious
2: imagery you know he's he has to go and do impossible tasks and here he's like making deals with the devil and, and all that kind of thing all of which kind of is really entertaining and he kills a guy with a book. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, these these movies are great.
4: Yeah, I can't wait There, there are some wonderful shots on this too. Like oh, the yeah, people the, literally the desert. melting out of out of shadows, yeah. and that one scene in um the ballet theater as well.
1: Yeah, and the, the use of lighting, the use of neon, yeah. the reflective surfaces are fantastic as well, it's and just, also very
4: thematically relevant as treat, well. Like, and, yeah. I mean, if all action movies looked this good, as well as being this relentlessly enjoyable then we would live in a much happier world.
2: Relentlessly enjoyable is is, is definitely the way to say it. The amount of like glass that oh, yeah. he gets thrown through in two separate sequences. Yeah. In this
1: There's trailer. a room made of glass which
2: yeah. exists, you know, you
1: have to wonder if the architects and the John Wick first are like, well, you know what this is going to be used for. <laughs> but it's that kind of Buster
2: Keaton level
1: of... Well, of, I mean, it opens with, is it uh, the general playing on a screen on Times two, Square? Oh, this end, one has uh, Sherlock uh, Jr. Yeah, Sherlock Jr., yeah. Yeah. This one has Sherlock Jr. then, apologies.
4: Also, I will say, sorry, then I'll let you move on. Yeah. Um, I went to see this with my sister who hasn't seen the other <clears> two, and she had an absolute blast, and I was like, waste like I show you the others, they're going to be so much more fun.
1: And I actually like, to be honest, I quite like the thematic aspect of it as well. It's very much, it's a blockbuster that Cheezy from The Good Place could enjoy because it's a movie fundamentally about what we owe to each other.
4: Yep. Very cool. Plus, you know, um, you know that bit in um, that kind of recurring joke in Lord of the Rings where Legolas and Gimli are keeping count of the number of people that they kill. I like to think of Sophia's dogs as doing that, but they're keeping <laughs> count of the number of balls that they ripped up. Which is very enjoyable. They're great dogs.
1: Yeah, it's, it's an inventive way of playing ball with your dog. Yeah.
4: The part where one of them runs up a wall, it's just wonderful. I
1: it's imagine wonderful. this is probably not going to be generate as much enthusiastic conversation. But at number six, it is Tate Taylor's Ma. Yeah. Oh, I haven't
4: seen this. Ma
2: is not really good. Well, Ma is like, I've heard interesting things boring. about this. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> know, what it's more could you of- ask? It, it's that kind of schlocky kind of uh, a thriller that is. Well, it 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 ought you you it ought to be kind of propulsive enough and mad enough that you're you're never bored watching it. It the problem with Ma in that is that it really kind of is treading water for for so much of it. The premise is that these kind of teens who are the some of the stupidest teens in, in, in recent movie memory. Uh, they, Even more
4: so than the teenagers in Halloween last year, because they were pretty sick.
2: These ones are quite, quite, quite bad. God, quite, quite dumb. Um, they, they are trying to get you know adults to to wipe beer for them so that they can drink in the middle of this like go nowhere town. Uh, the only one that will do it for them is Octavia Spencer, who's this kind of isolated, um, traumatized uh, uh, woman. You kind of see in these. Unfortunately, relentless and unnecessary flashbacks. Uh, the 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 reason that she is the way that she is, and the stuff that she went through when she was in high school, as caused by all of the parents of the you know that's kind of where we're going here. Uh, so she buys drink for these kids and is like, so "Come we're and drink in my and Elm Street, sort of thing, isn't it? Come and drink in my well, <laughs> basically." But it's like, "Come and drink in my basement," and all the kids are like, <laughs> "Sure, yeah." Sure. And then it's like, also, uh, I'm a thriller serial, like I'm, you know, bananas. And they're like, why are you going to keep drinking here anyway? Like the 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 kind of suspension of disbelief the moment that they start lining it on thick with Spencer is is, is 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 it's just too much. Um, and you're kind of sat in a very long second act where the one character who should know that that better than than this she's actually she's actually in book smart
4: oh is it
2: um, she, she
1: plays the bully if i remember correctly right the the one
2: who the girl like, in, in Maz, the girl yeah 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 yeah, yeah, up, yeah, yeah that's the one yeah yeah um so she kind of suspects that something's up but she keeps going back to that damn basement over and over again um and like spencer is having fun but she needs to be given more to do in that case kind of doesn't go crazy enough a lot of the time and then when it does you kind of you, you want a bit more um there is this one particular scene that's very graphic <laughs> in a very uh, uh surprising way I, I, in case you want to see it I won't say too much more than that but it is very full frontal and kind of you wouldn't expect it to go there uh, <laughs> But here. <laughs> just, just just needed a bit more, is, is all.
1: All right, in terms of movies that you don't expect to go there, at number five, tipping over one million euro at the Irish box office, it's Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Oh, the best movie of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> We're very, like, I mean, we are in June, and there is a very solid chance that Pokemon Detective Pikachu may be the best blockbuster of the year.
3: That's, that is where we are I'd at this say moment in a lot time. I don't know more about blockbusters than
1: eh, I mean, you know, little from column A, little from uh, column B.
3: He's a very good boy, Jack. Yeah. <sighs> You're low why threshold. are you see you see, you see too everything. many movies, you have such low threshold. Why, why you got
1: to why you got to pick up so many holes in it, huh? Uh. Oh.
3: Oh, well, somebody it. stop him
1: somebody stop him <laughs> why was why, that was a Pokemon not an Italian apologies
3: for the uh... when's a Euro doll the Day.
1: <laughs> at number four opening at number four meaning that the top three are essentially unchanged from last week fabulous it is Godzilla King of the Monsters having taken 269,000 euro at the Irish box office which is quite a hole to land in, number, land in at number at number four a quarter of a million euros not bad
4: This is so bad. Even Graham doesn't like it.
3: No, that's another one. Graham, Graham's a good threshold for uh, for blockbusters that a lot of people are not, would you say, big fans of. And if Graham says it's terrible, I'm going to heed that warning. That Uh, may—I
4: think
1: you guys may be thinking of another film.
4: Oh, Dark Phoenix.
3: Yes.
1: Sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry. Okay. But But
2: I'm I'm going to ignore that though.
4: Universally (laughs) terrible reviews of this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I really wish that this was a lot better. I'm actually. A big fan of uh, uh, Gareth Edwards' uh, Godzilla. 2014. 2014. Mm. I know it's a very frustrating film uh, in a lot of ways, but I really liked the sense of scale that it developed and stuck to. And I liked
4: the trailer. (laughs) Me too. That's that's fair enough.
2: Like I, I can absolutely understand why people wouldn't like that film. I can't understand why anyone would like this (laughs) film. Um it's because it's it, it is in drips and drabs aiming for that same sense of scale and adding or kind of building a, a kind of a sense of awe for the the monsters that are in it. But just because you're trying to have themes doesn't mean that you have, have them. Yeah. And this film is so stupid. <laughs> Uh, it's really it's so
1: tonally all over the place like there's a sequence where Washington is both flooding and burning and there's a plane full of adorable kids who desperately need shelter from a flying monster and the characters pause to do a joke where it's like can somebody help me get the door open and then the nerdy character stands up and says I can help and then the the other character pauses and goes anyone else and you're like, what are you doing? What, what is the scene? What, what editing decision did you make at this moment that brought you to this point? Like, uh,
4: Can I ask a question? So I've seen a lot of memes doing the rounds about Mothra and whether Mothra is innocent or guilty. Can someone explain this meme to me in the context of this film?
2: Honestly, no, because I couldn't see anything that Mothra was doing. Because okay. the problem with the, the monsters Fair. in the movie is that every time that they're on screen, it's lashing CGI rain.
1: It's also Uh, the backgrounds are whited out or they're red. They're sort of like, and they're they're the same dusty color as the monsters themselves. So for example, Godzilla, whose color is neon blue, is set in the backdrop of a blizzard for some reason, which is white, which means that like it looks pretty in still images to be fair to it. But when they're in motion, you get
2: a headache.
1: You have like Rodan,
2: who is... Visually incomprehensible. Yes. like Again, their attempt to emulate that. Kind of Edwards uh, scale is just to make you not know what's happening because there's who just who one... this? this is the um, Krampus guy. Yes, <gasps> the guy who directed Krampus. Oh,
4: I would have expected better. But uh, um... you never know. You, you
1: might love it. There are people who do
2: love this. Right, all well, four of them. But yeah, it like visually it's incomprehensible. You have characters get killed off here that it really yeah doesn't communicate that that's happened at all.
1: Like, I mean, like, this is the thing. This is a movie that fridges, like, two of its three female leads. Yeah. But it doesn't um, fridge another them.
4: one only fridged one.
1: But it doesn't fridge them properly because the male characters don't even acknowledge that they're dead. Uh, like, like I, I mean, it fridges Mothra, to pick to? an example, which <laughs> is a very this. strange choice.
4: Maybe this is something to do with Mothra. Yeah, Possibly. I mean,
1: um, but, but there is like there's a moment where like a character from Godzilla dies in the middle of an action scene, and I it was edited so incomprehensively no that I had no yeah. idea she was dead until they were like,
2: oh, well, she's dead. One of the char- to, to give you uh, an understanding of the depths of this um, is that Zhang Ji uh, yes. plays twins in this apparently. Okay. Uh, I had no what? idea. <laughs> yeah I, this, there's a the sound of Rodan going uh, over my head there is one scene in this where that character is in a certain location yes which she couldn't possibly be in because all the characters are in a uh, you know plot in her traveling yeah they're in like they're in like a, in like, a altogether, like a queen jet from Avengers or thing. whatever yeah but she's back at base camp and I was like how is she there uh, but it's all done so... For, edited so frenetically. It didn't really sink in. And then when I came out and I looked it up...
1: Actually, she's were, twins.
2: They're twins.
4: You know what I
1: had that... Really the other like character never
2: this. shows up again in <laughs> any other scene. And
1: there's never a mention of my sisters. Yeah. It, yeah. No, I was and just Charles thinking Dan- I
4: saw a film re- relatively recently where um, there were twins and I didn't know they were twins and it was their will be blood. It was only like the very end. I was like, wait, there were two of them. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was very confusing.
2: At least there are other indicators in this yeah. that the, this is on the, the fault of the, the people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very, very much. So. Uh, and you know you have cities being laid to waste in the middle of this that it, and nobody I've, seems
1: to care there's no sense of scale it's like, like we cut made to fun Bradley at, Whitford we make fun making, of Emmerich but, yeah. but
2: at least when a city is being destroyed in one of his films you, get you fucking know that it's happening <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a fair point <laughs> like
1: I mean <laughs> there's a moment that like the sequence where Washington is burning and flooding simultaneously is just an establishing cut yeah. it's a very strange choice there's a moment where like a giant like woolly mammoth type creature is rampaging through somewhere in East Asia and looks like geographically but the film never really comes back to that she's like
2: oh and yeah no more than saying your themes means that you have themes saying that you are respectful of the the kind of history of this character or this franchise doesn't mean that you are like yeah. when you when you have rodan show up in mexico and the locals call it rodan it's like well how do they <laughs> do, <laughs> okay. do they really um, um you know when when you have I don't know. I think all American adaptations of Godzilla even the 2014 one have this thing where they 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 realize that it's based off of, or inspired by
0: the, the atomic, atomic
2: bombs bomb. and they think that they get that but they're from America so they don't well, this So is... you have a scene in this where like use, using nukes saves the day. Yeah. What? And oh. on a thematic level ah, no. that's just well no wrong well
1: this this is the thing we we talked about this I think we talked about um, Akira a little while back and how Akira is basically what happens if you filter the American superhero sensibility through a Japanese sensibility where the American fantasy is like power is fucking amazing why wouldn't you want power and Japan is like I can see why you wouldn't want power. Um, And, like, you have that with Godzilla, where, like, to Japan, Godzilla's, like, this big rampaging monster that causes untold devastation, destruction. Maybe a cleansing force, but a horrific one at that. Then you have Godzilla King of the Monsters, which is, like, that's a metaphor for nukes, right? You know what nukes are really good at doing? Blowing shit up. There's a moment where, like, So you have the character of... I can't pronounce... Is it Shin... Shinwaza? Uh, The character played by... um, What's his name? Ken
2: Watanabe. Ken
1: Watanabe. Watanabe. I only know Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe. Watanabe. So Ken Watanabe, (laughs) like, to be fair to Gareth Edwards' Godzilla, Watanabe's character there is is a representative of the character's Japanese legacy to a certain extent. And his attitude towards the two monsters is let them fight.
4: Surizawa. Surizawa,
1: who's named for the character in the original Godzilla from the 1950s. Um... And he in like the ninth in the two thousand fourteen Godzilla, his role is to say, look, let them fight because he understands that humanity has no stake in this, that like they have no influence or no power over these vast forces that are at work in the world. Which is a relative as as far as American understandings of Godzilla go, that's a reasonable one. That's like a passing grade. It's like you did the reading, I'm not sure you understood it, but you know, I'm not gonna flunk you. Whereas on the other hand, like the issue with Godzilla King of Monsters when it gets to the Godzilla metaphor, is that you have, you know, It's like, he's going to fight. And it's like, what what are we going to do? We're going to order people to fall back. And Kyle Chandler, all American dad says, no, this time we join the fight in which Godzilla King of the Monsters effectively like enlists Godzilla into the US Air Force Uh it's something to like. I think that's a you very.
4: List a giant sentient kaiju into the airport. I mean, how would you
3: fit the uniform? Do you have jurisdiction? Absurd, like.
1: <laughs> I like I think it's a very revealing exploration of like the cultural difference between. If you want to be generalized and you want to sort of like you know broad assertions and stuff like that, I think there is a a representation of a cultural difference there in how Japan and America view that level of power. In that, like, Godzilla King of Monsters, like, yeah. I mean, that'd be a, <laughs> we gotta get that'd ourselves one of those.
4: Yeah. That would be like a massive this, hat. This kind of well, very brief two sentence summary I saw on Tumblr years ago, where they were like, "In Japan, um, radiation creates monsters. In America, it creates superheroes."
2: Yeah, that's
4: it, exactly. Isn't that interesting? Whatever yeah. that comes from.
2: Yeah, it's just a, it's just a, like it's, it's entertaining in moments where Godzilla is wrecking other monsters and stuff like that. When you can actually see what's happening, which is almost never, <laughs> and the, the scene where. You reach that nadir of uh, our wonderful nuclear chances <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and will right, we'll save us all uh, with Ken Watanabe. It's Uh-oh. actually, in terms of the actual directing of the scene, it's actually the, the best scene in the film. But it's just, it's... Because Watanabe is great. Yeah. The camera is showing you what's happening. Yeah. It you know it's, the it's showing an emotion and so yeah, you know yeah. all that and then it, it ends with something completely wrongheaded and stupid yeah. and
1: I mean this is a movie that goes from uh, King Ghidorah is a giant invading alien to Godzilla's just taking a nap in Atlantis to we have to nuke Atlantis within in like the space five of five yeah five you minutes say Atlantis, Atlantis or Atlanta Atlantis,
2: Atlantis. Ah, like in and the space like, of five minutes nobody's ever like I I have a question but that I mean Godzilla is a franchise you can go into that kind of yeah. dippy, mad, yeah, yeah, but bananas kind of stuff. But not with the, the film, sense like... of self-seriousness that, yeah, yeah. that this That's is, exactly is, is, like... is bringing. And, yeah. Like, people... I've seen people say that the number of human characters and the emphasis on their storylines in this... Well, all the Godzilla movies have that. Yeah, but... like. There are so many characters that you don't need. Yeah, Thomas Middletch's character is the most selfiest one. Yeah, um, because you can, there are so many of these characters that, that you can you just shift the roles around. Each yeah. other.
1: Like, you don't like, need Bradley Whitford and Thomas Middletch. No. You don't even need one of them, but you can pick one. Um, you don't even need Charles Dance. and, uh, and As the
2: eco-terrorist who does nothing. Yeah. Um, and and you, this happens over and over again where a character's actual purpose in the narrative ends and they are just hanging around.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> like eat them crush them do something <laughs> yeah. get the fuck out of here oh.
1: Charles Dance just wandering to the catering table Alright, uh, let's move on the more I think about the yeah, at yeah. number three Rocket Man, which I believe Grace has seen
4: yes I have seen I've seen it too um, yeah I like this this was actually better than I was expecting it to be to be honest I think maybe because Bohemian Rhapsody loves such a terrible taste in the mouth That um, I was like, okay, well, anything that's not blatantly homophobic is probably a good start. And Rocket Band is not, as far as I can tell, blatantly homophobic. Anyway, um, I also liked, even though I'm not really a big fan of musicals, but I like that this is structured more like a musical. Yeah, with fantasy sequences. It omits a lot of the really terrible. Now, there are a lot of pretty terribly cliched um, genre, biopic genre um, moments in here, but the musical moments and the more kind of flamboyant elements like that give you an opportunity to omit a lot of them which I did like the only um bugbear that I really had with this was that I really felt it needed a more theatrical director and when I say that I mean someone who can make musical sequences like that look a bit more arresting and visually exciting because I think like I like Dexter Fletcher but I think like whatever about the the kind of more everyday scenes in this which are fine like you know that they work as well as they do but I just feel like you needed someone with a bit more visual sensibility to bring out the real fantasy and heightened elements of the musical parts. And I think this stood out to me even more because I recently re-watched Moulin Rouge. And as those of you who have seen Moulin Rouge will know, there's, um, excuse me, a pretty magnificent cover of your song in the middle of that, which is done just beautifully. <laughs> and then just to go from that, which I know is a whole nother movie, but to see like the type of theatrical setup that you could create in a film setting for something like that, and then go into this where it just—they all felt a little bit flat to me. I thought it was a bit of a shame, but um, but it's a good film. I think it's it's well put together otherwise, and I think the cast is good, and it's um, it's enjoyable. Wouldn't say it'll stick long in the memory afterwards, but it's fun.
0: Um, yeah,
2: I I, I I I agree with all that actually. Um, the yeah, the the musical scenes are the most entertaining part of the film, and it is giving you that sense of this is why this person is, a, is an icon and this is why this person is the way that the, that the film shows them to be. And the kind of stereotypical um, biopic moments in this, you can kind of go along with them a little easier because the fantastical elements kind of, you're, you're you're in that place where it's, okay, well, it's not real. It's yeah, you know, it's heightened, it's, it's just, fantastic. Now, if... Even the mundane scenes had that kind of uh, more fantastical direction yeah, that like would have helped. That
0: yeah.
2: it's kind of more like you're switching from a musical into a kind of a more a conventional kind movie. of yeah. thing. But it's, it's 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 enjoyable. Like it's it's got good performances. except Bryce Dallas <laughs> Howard as
1: as cartoon pantomime villain mom sort of thing. Yeah,
4: it is cat. Like
1: yeah, no, it's bad. I never loved you. Yeah, but I
4: hope you know that you're choosing to never be happy.
2: Like no, these nice. are these are not like just we're not quoting subtext well, we're actually quoting. Well, oh, I the yeah. difference between this and uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I think, or the the big difference is that the musician that produced this yeah. is also alive, still alive, and, and still alive yeah, uh, which has it's positive yeah. and has its negative. No, yeah. Lerman would have actually been perfect for what yeah. this is, is going for. You know,
4: I was just thinking after watching the Rouge, I miss Baz Lerman. It's possibly one of my more controversial opinions, but I really like him.
3: He goes up to eleven. I don't think anybody can dispute that. You know you've seen the film. When it works, like, yeah. it works
4: beautifully. I know it I does. Look. Look, I, I mean, it. the Red Curtain trilogy is Chef's kiss emoji, but Australian not so much.
1: We're not going up to eleven. We're going <laughs> anyway. to number two, uh, which is Secret Lives of Pets two.
4: Shockingly enough, I have not seen this. I've seen the first one though. Oh.
1: That was
2: enjoyable. I'm seeing
4: Enjoyable in a very oh. disposable way, but enjoyable
2: nevertheless. How secret can these lives be if this is the second one? Yeah.
1: And it's already earned 800,000 800, euro. I mean, it's it's an open secret.
2: The Secret uh, Lives of Pets is a waste of a name for a children's film. It should be yes. kind of a 1950s... Noir, sort of like, yeah. No, like a suburban drama, you know. <laughs> Revolutionary Road, but with cats. Yes.
1: <laughs> At number one, it's Aladdin.
4: i I completely forgot Ugh. this was a thing.
2: It's fine. This is what happens when you have to have one of these movies come out every two months. Well, that's it exactly.
1: I mean, like, Lion King is coming out in oh July, Jesus for example, man. on the 20th of July. Please stop. Please just um don't this anything. is yeah, serviceable, competent. Again, everything you never got get...
4: it looks utterly lifeless.
1: Yeah, that's it exactly. You, which is ironic for a live action in Verticamas adaptation of an animated film. But in transitioning to live action you strip out everything that made the animated film so great. You're erasing the value of that medium to a certain extent. Um the casting of Will Smith is good. The music is still as good as it was, although again the performances in live action don't work. Uh, largely the same songs. There is one additional song, um, which is an I Want song for Jasmine, which is theoretically a good choice, but which doesn't work because the lyrics uh, weren't written by Is it Howard Ashman, who obviously passed away uh, while he was working on it? Trickier, that. trickier, uh, so trickier to make, a to trickier the get. Yeah, yeah. It's written by the two guys who are responsible for. I'll remember it afterwards, and I'll feel very bad. But oh, I never liked that film. Movies, that they're just responsible in general. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, they're the two guys who wrote sort of. They've written a bunch of, of musical. Uh, no, oh, Greatest Showman! They wrote the, the Greatest Showman. Uh, Smash! Right. And uh, <laughs> possibly another famous. movie. Yeah, and another movie as well. All right, let's move on to the upcoming, the new releases this weekend. Um, so very quickly, uh, Dirty God uh, is out, which is Sasha Pollock's film, which is about an attack in London. What's it? Um, Dirty God.
3: Uh, oh, yes. about a young girl who... I missed this at the festival because uh, I took the Sunday off. I had a ticket for this, and I didn't know.
1: Uh, Halson uh, is also releasing this weekend, which is a documentary uh, looking at the fashion designer from the 1970s um, who basically had to sort of deal with... Oh, no, it's oh, not. I... It's it's a, it's a narrative film. Apologies. I, uh... Oh, yeah. No, it's a documentary. It documentary? It's, not it's a documentary. It's but I... That's Sorry a, the plot summary makes it sound like like a like a narrative film. I've had a talented, Halston reigned over fashion in the 1970s became a household name, but everything changed in the Wall Street era. With his a, empire under threat, Halston took the biggest
3: gamble of his life. There couldn't be any people left to make documentaries in the fashion industry at the moment cuz they've made literally everyone with a documentary. It's the same with architects, it's the same with everything. Musicians, places people have recorded songs, stop making documentaries about things, start making documentaries that mean something. I've Please seen the, and thank you
2: for this. It does look very identical yeah I've seen
3: I've, I haven't i have seen it but I feel like I've seen it from the various other films that have be been made that look exactly the same as it see your photographers. see your designers. see your whatever stop making identical documentaries please thank you
1: alright also out this week the big Irish release of the week is Poppy Chulo uh, which opened the Dublin Film Festival earlier this year I've seen it I think Jay's seen it as well Yay. I, don't know if, uh, I have seen it I have
4: not seen it
1: and it's it's John Butler's latest film, and I think I liked it least of the people on this podcast. I
3: think you did. I I did like it. Um,
1: I mean, it's it's charming. It's funny. It's got a really good first half. I'm not as fond as the second half, but it's Trider got looks a
4: bit odd.
3: It's it's a, it's a tricky thing. It's a tricky tonally and structurally conceit to get away with because mm. you're you're kind of skirt and disaster every turn to, to a lot of yeah. degrees. It's a risky movie. It's a story mention, about
1: a, like. a lonely TV weatherman who strikes up an unusual friendship with a middle-aged Latino migrant worker. Yeah, I uh, had to give him that Which is a minefield of a premise. It is, uh, and
3: it, I think it's in fairness. And to be Butler, fair to Butler, he, he does skirts pretty much a, everything that could go wrong with that particular premise. He manages to avoid pretty m- much all the pitfalls yes. for all intents purposes. Yeah. Um, I, I I somewhat agree, Darren. I think the first half of the film is better than the second half. I think. It, it sets out this kind of story of trying, trying to connect and that kind of loneliness that comes with both a breakup and the kind of lack of communication that you can and have. And even with like the, the Los Angeles setting and, as well yeah, works
1: very well in that. Yes, yeah, so it does. And this kind of well. cliffside
3: almost kind of lookout at yeah. out of kind of a vast Longing. unknowable kind of place that you, yeah. you can kind of connect it. It does wobble a bit in the second half, certainly. Um, some issues come into it that doesn't help.
1: I'm not sure it's entirely equipped to deal with them. No, it's it's, it's trickier. I mean, I appreciate that it's trying, and I think it does a good enough job. I just don't think that the balance is as good no as I, good I, I, I think that's half.
3: probably fair but the two leads are great yes um, um,
1: Matt Bomer and Alejandro Ale- 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 uh, Patino
3: I believe that they're is. very good together they're very good in general in their roles the both them get decent amount of screen time it's not just the Matt Bomer showing that that regard which I kind of appreciate because it, it would all too easy to give him the that, share. That, Yeah, share uh, and I think it's kind of fairly even in that regard and they've an easy charm and chemistry which obviously is the make or break wait, 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 a film of things. like kind of because there film, is a kind yeah. of a love story in that regard like it's people yeah. who don't really have any connection or like
1: who have no reason
3: to, to ever connect, talk or yeah. be connected other than a hire, coincidence hire or chance, or yeah. something yeah. like that and, and I like the kind of element to it, it like it's charming it's easy going it, it, it tries Probably a little too hard to try and make its points, but I, I think it gets there for the most part, and I think I think it's a good audience film. I think people will respond to it, uh, in, a, in a kind of cinema kind yeah. of thing. And it's a very
1: broad feel good yeah. film, and, and like I mean, this will probably sound like a backhand compliment. I don't mean it as such, but it, it feels to a certain extent like Green Book for the Trump era,
3: in that it's a Jesus, story. Darren. Okay, <laughs> you liked Green Book, God. Darren. Stop laying that on me. I feel like you, you, you like Green Book as your, you, you. Didn't believe you believe in kind of you know nine eleven conspiracy theories. I No, like, stop saying that because yeah. it just makes my character.
4: My, my favorite take on this is still from my sister. who's just seen the trailer and she was like, "That makes it look like he kidnaps this old man."
1: <laughs> like, uh, now this is a movie. In though. a way, well, that's actually, to be fair, <laughs> yeah, that's no, not far it's off. Yeah, uh,
3: in a mild mannered kind of way, yeah. kind of
1: but kidnaps but with kindness.
3: It's 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 <laughs> what it's like privileged white. People, People do. do. Yeah, we don't. We don't even know. Again, it you see the minefield yeah. that we're talking
1: about. The film has to navigate.
3: And even it? Do you I mean the success of it is the fact that it's skirts so even regardless of anything? Yeah. I think it's it. It's good. I I liked it. I don't know how rewatchable it is, how great it is, or yeah. whatever. But it's certainly worth worth getting to see. I would suggest. Uh,
1: also out this week, the big release of the week, uh, which is surprising given that it's kind of dead on arrival. X Men: Dark Phoenix. Uh, which is the end of the X-Men cinematic oh, universe. Okay,
4: this is a film that's so bad, even Graham doesn't like
3: it. Yeah, sorry, yes, Graham, so there we go. from my earlier point. Um, me. I mean,
4: this is a compliment to Graham. Me too. give oh, me too. everything a chance.
3: He's much nicer about these
4: things than I am. It's too much for him, which means it must be awful.
1: <laughs> X-Men Dark Phoenix is not a good film. Let's be entirely clear and lay,
4: like an lay this
1: out there. It is at certain points incomprehensible it is lazy it is poorly structured it's uncertain of its themes you watch it and you know that it has been gutted in the editing booth characters don't so much exist as spout things that it's necessary for the plot to have them say it assumes emotional investment in characters that simply doesn't exist there's a moment at the climax where Storm and Nightcrawler show up and it's like we are in this too and you're like I kind of forgot that you were but I appreciate the sentiment um and it doesn't really work in those terms. That said, it is a fascinating film to
3: Oh, a it's one of Darren's no. fascinating films. Stop it, Darren. To a no lar-
4: screaming. Uh,
1: it's fascinating because what happens is you hollow out anything resembling a coherent... And you can tell that they went through this with like a shovel... Um, to get it under the two hour mark you can tell that like it was designed to be a franchise launcher for the young actors that it will be like this will be like another decade of X-Men movies and then obviously the buyout happened um, and what happened actually was that the climax of the film was too close to um, too close to Captain Marvel that's why the reshoots were necessary and why it came out after Captain Marvel which is fascinating it to a certain extent plays like an unreconstructed version of Captain Marvel where it doesn't realize that those evil shape-shifting aliens is not necessarily the best cliche that you could be using right now but at the same time especially in x-men yes um at the same time because of that hollowing out there's something very interesting there where it seems to almost be about like the marvelization of the x-men universe the point where the reshot climax of the film has them literally derailing the mcu when you literally control. blame Marvel
3: on everything, Darren,
1: the but mutant control unit, as it's known as well, which
3: is fascinating. Blame DC for a change.
1: Well, I mean they aren't really Except directly. They don't I'm not have any I'm not. Films. There's no.
3: There's, there's no playing. How is there blame? They're throwing subtle shade at them How all that subtle day. Subtle shade. On, I love Darren. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok's amazing. That's subtle shade right there. What? Whoa, I love oh. that one film that I like. Okay,
1: uh, Black Panther's also great. Is Iron Man 3 you is fantastic. Avengers, Avengers fine, is great. I, I saw
4: a little boy in a Wakanda Forever hoodie yesterday. Yeah. I mean,
3: come that on, tell me that, he isn't,
1: heartwarming. that is tell isn't heartwarming.
3: That isn't heartwarming. i joking, right. come
1: on. But yeah, so again, but the the issue is that you have... And you have this interesting recurring theme where like it, Charles Xavier has decided to reinvent the X Men as superheroes. Charles,
3: there's there's can a mo- shut
1: his hair about lost about. his mind. There's there's a moment where he's literally like superheroes. I don't know what that word means. Remember when um, they were just
4: sitting in a room talking about morality? I preferred
1: that. But no, this is this is it. Like Charles has seen the future has and has realized that like there's no future for the X Men franchise. So he's desperately like Fuck! I gotta turn this into a Marvel he franchise a as quickly as
2: possible. Two films ago. <laughs> no.
3: What? 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 What did he miss? That he did then. That he can't do. Then see the, fu- he then spoke the... To... Sorry. Anyway,
1: that about wraps it up. Uh, so, if people who for a bit more Luke, a bit more Jay, hey, a bit more Grace in their lives, we're going to find you guys
2: online. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Mr. Cynical, That's cynical with an I. And I'm on Filmable.ie uh, at Jay on
3: Twitter.
4: I am at Pixie Grace on Twitter and Letterboxd.
1: Cool. Uh, you can follow me at down. I co host another podcast called The 250, where this week, hopefully, we'll be covering uh, Saving Private Ryan to mark the fiftieth an- Sorry, 75th anniversary of D-Day. Which, Which is not- today. Probably do that uh, check before I record the podcast just to make sure I have the
3: right ear. Uh, you should it pro- is a 75th would, anniversary. Would you, would you, not, is, would is, you yeah. not cover uh, Shaven Ryan's Privates, the uh, porn version?
4: Good lord, Jay.
1: Starring Mr. Biggerstaff, am yes. I right?
3: Yes. John Biggerstaff <laughs> is Private Ryan.
1: I don't think we're going to get a better note than that. So take Private it easy, Ryan. guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
4: Bye. Bye.